just a good old boy Never meaning no harm Beats all you never saw Been in trouble with the law Good old boys I'm Mark Bog Beef I'm Curtis Tonight, Curtis Yarvin There's no, no introductions This is the third time You've been on here. The only introduction is graymirror.substack.com. Gray with an A. Gray with an A, the American way. The American way, that's right. The American way. Yes. The American way. I've got, I've got, to, I've got to tell that later later on the show, I've got to tell that these colors don't run joke. I don't know that you've heard that one. It's a good <laughs> one. Um, and um, the, uh, it's really, really, uh, you know, one of my better new, it's a new routine, so... Uh, I don't. I don't believe I've laid that one down <laughs> on tape yet. But, you know. I. You know. I do a lot of appearances. I often repeat myself. You know. I'm in demand at various parts of the world. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I saw your. I saw your Hitler lives five minutes at the Apollo. It was great. Yeah, yeah. It was a great, <laughs> great set. Yeah. The, the the cell phone and the YouTube has. Uh, that you know that that hurt like uh, stand up comedy a lot because it's mm. like. Uh, you know, you're supposed to be, you have to be able to do a routine like every, for two years or something. Right, now right. it's like, well, you know, your routine hits the, the airwaves. Yeah. 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 It's true. G- got it. Everyone's, you got to subscribe to Substack. It's the, uh, you know, there's a lot of these Substacks where it's like, well, you can read what this person's thinking. Like, well, when, when Lord Yarvin drops a, a tweet, it's like everyone has to react to it. So do you think, do you think, don't like do you it, think like, I should tweet now? Do you think that after the revolution or such as the revolution is, I should, I should step onto that. That's what we're going to be asking you. I All mean, right. that, that, that's, that's what, that's <laughs> what we're here to talk about. So, you know, a long time ago, you, we were talking about, you know, different theories of, of, of how things change, but you said one way to definitely change thing would be if Elon Musk purchased Twitter. Right. And that has happened. Like it what? has it Thursday, has, Friday. It has happened. But you know, I'm I'm. Let me just be. I like to be positively surprised here. Um, I would basically say, sort of, if anyone thinks that Elon Musk in buying Twitter had anything like the kind of plans that the hypothetical quote Elon Musk, a person, by the way, who I've never met. um, And, um, you know, is, has some sort of plan similar to mine. And we can get on, you know, later into what that plan might be because not everyone obviously is a subscriber to, uh, graymirror.substack.com with you know that's gray with any the american <laughs> way but uh the uh, <laughs> every republican in a tight race for the midterms is uh you're personally advising uh everything i am not uh, personally advising <laughs> any Senate candidates um I, you know i love all peoples equally um i especially love certain <laughs> republicans but i am not advising any of them and um you know that's that's perhaps why they have that's that you know that actually may be why they still have a chance but the um i would say the long and the short of it is that it's like, you know, I feel, I think that I feel much the way I think we all did in 2016 when Trump was elected. I was just like, here is, here is the mule, right? Here is something, here is an event that could sort of rip the narrative in half. And then the problem is that it could, but then 
for it to happen, you know, depends on the man. Are you Napoleon? Are you General Boulanger? You know, and uh, who is General Boulanger exactly? Uh, you know, is it a bakery chain? You know, and um, you, you haven't heard of this motherfucker because he, he was almost Napoleon, but he wasn't quite Napoleon. And um, it could be like Bernadotte. I think we'd be all right there. Yeah, right, right, right. So, so you know, when Trump was elected, you were basically, in a sense, it's very, very easy to conflate crossing the Rubicon with taking Rome. Actually, if you cross the Rubicon, you've just gotten your fucking feet wet and you've also gotten a lot of motherfuckers pissed off at you. That's what you accomplish when you cross the Rubicon. And even worse is this tactic, which is really Trump is kind of the present master of, which um, I call, I didn't invent this term, it's due to interest on Solomon. It's called, I call it fishing in the Rubicon, where you basically say, oh, I'm going to march right up to the Rubicon and then sit down and fish. And you're just like, ooh, look me standing on the Rubicon, you know. Bolsonaro, you know, in Brazil, like, okay, great. You know, he has these incendiary lines. You know, he, he sounds like Ronald Reagan in 1968, right? You know, <laughs> what the fuck has he done? You know, and so, you know, you have all this sort of incendiary talk about how oligarchy or as, uh, you know, the press calls it democracy, how like bad and wrong it is, but there's sort of no ability for anyone to like go anywhere with that. And so, and moreover, you know, the man in the hour of not yet met, you know, that's like the, instead it's like the con man in the hour of met, right. You know, and the, so the hour in 2016, there was a moment when Trump, sort of could have done anything in a way and he sort of the resistance had not yet gathered and sort of further blows would have demoralized it further and instead you know there are all these like you know i'm just reading this this fascinating uh, david rothkoff book um uh, um, about how uh, you know the deep state, which doesn't exist, successfully re- resisted Trump, even though it doesn't exist. It's kind of this this like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you have to do to like wrap that narrative around your head. You have to be a very flexible person. Um, but yeah, so you know, basically, just objectively, when you take this position, you say I'm the president of the United States. I'm the CEO of Twitter. You've kind of crossed one stream, but you haven't actually sort of taken any capitals whatsoever. And, you know, actually turns out you can't just take Rome. You have to take Rome and Naples and probably fucking Alexandria and like Carthage. Right. You know, and then maybe you're 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 safe. You know, maybe you're done then. And so that's sort of very different from like sitting down and and fishing in the stream. Now, of course, Elon Musk is basically the world's top, you know, working monarch in a sense in, in that he has not just capacity, but also like vision, uh, you know, he's, he's an animal and, you know, but to say that he's basically has a sort of strategic philosophical, political, scientific Machiavellian plan in taking over Twitter. Um, I, I'm 100% aware. I have personal awareness that this is not the case. And um, you mm-hmm. sort of wish it was. And, you know, the thing is, you never know where he'll go with it. He definitely doesn't want to be identified on a left-right axis. He doesn't want to be identified as like a MAGA Republican. 
he is also just started this like permanent war against like he's just put himself in this position where he's like really structurally at war against the press and it's going to take a while to realize the implications of that. It's going to take a while to like for him to basically sort out all the people that are like going along with them along, you know, according to, you know, in order to sandbag him. He's basically unleashed the powers of the kind of full powers of bureaucratic resistance against himself. The difference is that normally you know, a Donald Trump will just struggle ineffectually against these processes. Moreover, the processes in DC are much stronger. The processes within a company like Twitter actually are monarchical. And so, you know, it is theoretically possible for our new chief twit to not have these motherfuckers run rings around him. My guess is, however, that they will run rings around him because, you know, it's a hard problem. And, I, I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that because I wanted to ask. I, that's exactly what I wanted to ask you. If he like, if he had really had a plan, because this is Trump's big problem. That yeah. I think Trump believed that the presidency worked, like you know, like it was like he was running his business. Yeah. And he would just go in and they would just have to do what he said, or he could fire them. Yeah. Which is obviously we know that's not how it works. Yeah. And I wonder. I, I have wondered if Musk really understands that he's declared war on. What you call the cathedral? Well, now what everybody calls the cathedral. I, I'm not sure that he realizes that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, you know that I, I'm really not sure he realizes it. In fact, I would go so far as to say I'm sure he doesn't realize it. And the thing is, the extent to which he realizes it, you know, I, I'm sure. Obviously, there's an extent to which he realizes it, but the extent is kind of superficial in a way. It's like. You know, it's sort of like, like in a way, let's shift it to another like current event. You know, the enemies of the the blob, the thing, the you know, the the this this the century old cancer. You know, have like they they never want <clears throat> to be named. They never want to like, and and they never. And in their and their enemies never want to basically confront them sort of squarely either. Think about what you're thinking about when you're saying communism. As I used to say, and I still love to say, and it's still really true in a sense, if you use a small c, America is a communist country. It's just not Marxist-Leninist country. And the um and so sort of when people oppose this, when you say, okay. You know, I'm going to be like an intellectual dark web motherfucker, which is perhaps, I guess, in a way might be the closest, uh, you know, analogy to where Elon is today. Um, you know, like Claire, Claire Lemon, you know, can you imagine Elon Musk and Claire Lemon? Sorry. What was that? <laughs> what was that funny? I, mean, you know, I was just, I was referring, just referring to their positions. Um, the, the, I mean, their political positions, but uh, <laughs> Right, she knows a lot about positions. Yeah. She's, an ex- she's an expert. We've been told. Um, sorry, I didn't say anything bad there, right? You know, and and the I I think she might like you. Like there was a um uh in her replies or whatever. I I sort of uh, did like a little explainer of uh, like uh, cathedral and stuff, and she instantly followed me. Uh, which, so she, she must like your stuff. I'm guessing she probably just never mind. But um, the the um, 
gosh, you guys have dirty minds. You know, like what is this? You know, this is, these are public intellectuals we're talking about. Anyway, you know, basically <laughs> the, you know, let's say Elon Musk and Eric Weinstein. Okay, so basically my guess is that, you know, Probably in a lot of ways, the place where Elon Musk is sort of intellectually and philosophically at the moment is kind of Eric Weinstein line, right? You guys are huge Eric Weinstein fans, right? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, lo I love the bit where he complains about Roman emperors, <laughs> treatment of, of the chosen people. That's <laughs> oh, that, that wouldn't. Come on, let's. That let's wouldn't like, include Caesar. Let, by let's the keep. Way. Let's keep that out of. How? What would Caesar? You know, I would see Caesar wasn't killed by the. Never mind. But <laughs> no, no, the the, the Jew, the Jews what? wept for Caesar's death. Guys, uh, guys, he, guys, he, guys. Got along, he got along. Cool with it with the anti-Semitic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. This is not a comedy routine. This is a, like a serious intellectual performance. I want to make that really clear. Okay. Anal queen. <laughs> yeah. And especially, like, imagine, you know, <laughs> sir, imagine you you said that and you were in the House of Parliament. I, you know, I believe that every every podcast should should be as though one were in Parliament. And would would anyone say anything <clears throat> that rhymed like you know like like canal teen with uh, no my god they would never say that so 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 let's keep it i i for the record i have kept it clean <laughs> i have not made any insinuations here nor nor would i and you know as for the lady in question um i'm sure she's wonderful uh and so is eric weinstein and and he's genuinely he's a bear of a man he's genuinely a wonderful figure and the um <laughs> and, you know, and so basically when you sort of when you think about the kind of intellectual dark web position, they're sort of they're kind of defined by centrism because they're kind of forced into the position that while, you know, the truth may not exactly lie with the cathedral, it's kind of evenly balanced around this thing, which we call like the mainstream. And I'm just like neighbor, like what is the mainstream? Like, where does this come from? Where, what does this term even mean? Like, how do we get a mainstream? What is a mainstream? You know, <laughs> it's like the, the Rothkopf book, you know, we have a deep state. We don't have a deep state. You know, we have a press. We have, you know, I think often the cathedral, I like the term, but it's sort of pretentious. I mean, you could just say the press and you're really saying the same thing and everybody knows what you meant. <clears throat> and, you know, um, um, it goes back to the, you know, and then if you get really sophisticated, you're like, might understand that there's maybe a problem with the universities. And then you're at like Nixon level, you know, where you're like the president of the universities. <laughs> but, you know, but Nixon, you know, the problem is the professors. What was that, that great quote? And the problem is that when you're sort of pinned and you even at least Nixon could say he was like on the right wing in a sense. And when you basically have to deny that you're on the right wing, especially often people will get into this trap of where they're being bullied, where they're basically being accused of doing the thing that they should do, but are not doing. And your response when you're accused, there should be a, like a word for this. This is just such a great fucking bullying tactic. When you accuse somebody uh, you know, and make them defend themselves against the unfair charge that they are doing X. It makes them really not want to do X. 
Because no, like I'm innocent. Like, you know, are you going to basically be like, oh, I'm innocent of arson like, you know, today and then tomorrow you go start burning down buildings? Like, no, you actually didn't do it. You're not a fucking arsonist, right? You know, the problem is if that's the thing that you actually need to do, it's this really, really effective way of trapping you away from doing it, right? And so the thing is, Elon, because he has these particular adversaries that are this thing, he's going to constantly be accused of being like right wing in a sense, which he has to deny. And so like, basically like even something like Quillette sort of can only, it has, you know, sort of the only, it either, it like centrism is like this, this posture that can't really last in a way because either you actually sort of keep it up with the leftism and you just alienate your right wing followers or you don't keep it up with the leftism and you keep getting identified as a right-wing thing, at which point it makes no, you know, you actually gain nothing from your centrism once you take enough of those hits. So, you know, when you identify as a centrist in a way, you've kind of pinned yourself down because you've actually, you know, fallen for, okay, the truth does not belong to the mainstream necessarily always, but it's like evenly distributed between like left and right in some sense and you're basically trapped into, and all those spaces happen to be kind of wrong in some place or another. So you don't have the advantage of always being right. And you don't, so you can't really sort of tell the truth in any particular sense, but you're increasingly sort of forced into this, like, no, I, ha I haven't, I've never beaten my wife, you know kind of position where you're sort of defending this thing. And then you're constantly feeling a pressure toward this direction because that's the pressure toward the truth. So you're kind of getting like penetrated in sort of both of these holes at once because the people who want things to be true. So, sorry, did I? That was a, okay. Sorry. That was a callback by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah they, when we, we, was it the last time or the first time that we had, I think it was the second time, right? We, when he was talking about the, uh, the, the fire down below. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, and um, the um, um, in any case, uh, you know the uh, you know. So you're basically like you have to basically resist the. You've divorced yourself from the really what ought to be the core of your support, which is the people that are just like rigidly insist on being right all the time, which kind of provide the energy of your righteousness. And then you've kind of, um, you've been sort of pinned down from moving in that direction, but you're still identified as this like right wing horror. And so it, it's, but you know, their dream, their dream though, I I'm guessing is to, uh, be the mediator that sit in the middle and, and then they're, they're going to call, uh, you know, they're, they're going to say, well, these guys are right about that. They'll be I, right. I, on well, that. that would be my I hope. can tell you exactly but. what they are. And you, if you remember mid two that mid two thousands politics, like they want to be the moderate Muslim, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, well, which this doesn't this, this doesn't work. <laughs> like, there's no way you, you're, you're either one thing or the other, and it yeah yeah right 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 right. So so you know the thing is that basically you know it's kind of you know you wanted here's the thing you wanted the experience of Trump taking over D.C. to be like. Um, you know, the treaty, House of Treaties taking over Ericus, right? It wasn't like this, that, because, like, Trump was gay, okay? But the, um, um, 
he was a con man, like nothing. It was nothing real. And, you know, with Elon Musk, maybe it's actually more like the Atreides film. Like, you know, they, they, it's like they know they're walking into a Harkonnen trap. Right. You know, and like basically the thing you have to expect of like the position of Musk today is that he's got to know he's walking into a trap. And, you know, that trap can easily like destroy his company. It can like, you know, cost him, leave him with a $44 billion gab. It can, you know, leave him possibly Mm. under legal attack by the European fucking union. You know, he's walking into, he hasn't even come close to winning yet. And he also has no idea what winning is. Moreover, all the places that he thinks are a stable place that involve winning um, in fact, in fact, are places of no, no residence and, and succors whatsoever. And if he tries to get to any of these places, you will find them, you know, utterly barren and desolate and besieged by the enemy. Uh, so the, uh, you know, and that's, that's essentially like the, the, um, the trap here. And the, um, I mean, it's just sort of, I really, the problem is, you know, I know that he has not sort of thought deeply philosophically about this problem. Um, you know, however, he's in a position where he kind of maybe hopefully will have no choice but to. And that, you know, you know, I have a certain amount of sort of hope, but there's no like sort of direct path to what I see the proper role of like Twitter in curating an, an ecosystem is. Should I, should I, should I, should I segue into what I mean by how I think Twitter should operate in the Musk era? Well, or yes, but first off, first off, I mean, in his, to his credit, I mean, so uh-huh. uh, this was uh, today or yesterday, yesterday, uh, in terms of does he know what he's dealing with? So he dissolved the the board of, board of directors. Uh, you know, totally, to, totally to, normal, to totally normal corporate gesture doesn't mean anything. Absolutely, oh, well, yeah, to, that's uh, just normal if you're acquiring with, a company. But go on. To stay with with sci fi stuff, you know, the, the yeah. Imperial Senate will no longer be any concern to us. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, of course, great, right, right. But but it has to be more than symbolic. Like you know, basically, like. You know, when you're taking over an organization that wants to resist you like this, when you're taking over Harkin and Arrakis, like your dick has to be up every never mind. I mean, like the you you basically <laughs> yeah. have to project your executive authority into every cranny of the system. And you have to assume that everyone who is there is loyal to the Harkonnens and and really just wants to fuck you. Um I mean like it, it, if, if, if I, if I ran, I mean, if, if I was, uh, you know, the, the, the deep state or whatever, I assume that like he's surrounded by, uh, essentially secret agents or, or more like informants and stuff at this point. I mean, yeah. Wouldn't this be rational? Yeah. I mean, he's surrounded by people. No, he's surrounded by people who have in many ways have, uh, you know, have thought about the problem and are sort of more determined than he is in a specific direction. And so they are um, simply because they have a map 
and he has no map, you can expect them to kind of outwit him in various ways, especially because of his confidence that he can't be outwitted. And the, like, he just sort of, there's just no way he has any understanding of how deep these waters are. And, but there's also no way to say that experience will not teach him, like, the sort of darkness of the powers that he's dealing with. And, and, and he certainly has the energy to project his executive authority across the whole organization. He has the executive, you know, he has the energy to make all to acquire a company to basically take over its existing management and make the new management act as basically an extension of his will, which is just something that you absolutely need if you're going to, change anything about an organization whatsoever that's i mean there were there were good signs he he locked he you know he locked the the twitter (laughs) the twitter programmers and engineers out of the system and brought in his own people but you know well you know know what he really you know what he really needs to do i mean there's some saudi investment here um and really the person who's executed something like this in the modern world is of course prince muhammad now, I don't know if you know about the Riyadh Ritz. No. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Wow. This is like a, you know, this is, you know, there ought to be. A, is it like the shack outside? No. Like the shack outside LaGrange? Not at all. There ought to be there ought to be a movie made about this. So when Prince Mohammed becomes the heir of the mentally unwell, uh, you know, King Abdullah, uh, he's a young, energetic man. He was not ex- ed- educated outside Saudi Arabia. This is a true son of the desert. This is a young, vigorous king. And he's basically like, you know, there are all these like faggot shakes who are like, you know, 82 years old and like survive on like a diet of like Syrian children and like, you know, spend all of their money in Monaco and have huge Swiss bank accounts uh, overseas where I can't possibly touch them and fuck these people. But, you know, I can't touch their bank accounts, but do you know who I can touch? Them. I can touch you. <laughs> I can touch yeah. you, bitch. And so uh, he basically takes the Riyadh Ritz and he empties it out and he basically turns it into like a billionaire's dungeon. The Hanoi Hilton? <laughs> no, yeah. No, the litter, the Hanoi Hilton was not actually the Hilton. Like this was actually the Ritz, right? And so he basically takes all these people and puts them in a luxury hotel and basically hangs them to the ceiling by their feet until they fucking call London and cough up all their fucking assets. <laughs> Incredibly based, right? I mean, and, and yeah. you know, this is a king, right? You know, I mean, like, look at that thing in Turkey. I'm not saying I approve, but, like, this is a king, you know? And, and um, the, like, I mean, so... Until basically, you know, Elon is like ready to call up Prince Mo and be like, or just like kind of internalize the spirit of Prince Mo. So you could basically, you know, it's like you could get like one of those, um, one of those bracelets, you know, what would Prince Mo do, you know, and you're like, (laughs) you're going through your day basically in this like hostile organization and you're dealing with these little, little, little oligarchs, uh, of this, you know, vastly bloated bureaucracy and, you know, they're giving you shit. They're, uh, 
they're doing the wrong thing behind your back and whatever. And, um, you know, what would Prince Mo do? And, uh, you know, there's no question, but the Prince Mo is the genuine CEO of Saudi Arabia. And, and he or one of his tentacles is a major investor in the new Twitter. Right. And so basically it's, it's almost like, you know, already there was kind of this bad blood between Prince Mo and journalism because, uh, he, um, um, you know, <laughs> well, he, he dismembered a Washington Post contributor. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, contributors. Yes, I mean, you know, like uh, things were submitted by written by some hack in this person's name. Uh, you know, but I, it wasn't that he dismembered a journalist. Okay, but you know, the thing is, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the IDW thing. We, 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 we're gonna we're gonna be centrist on this issue. You probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. But on the other hand, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly, it's firm but fair, exactly, exactly. So so it is definitely not true that prince mo you know uh dismembers journalists and is a major shareholder of twitter but um i mean it's not like you know in terms of like things that are it's not not true <laughs> it's not not true so um hang on a second okay well here, here's a simple sorry yeah go, go on go on i'm just having some look All right. well okay well here, here's a, a simple one so should he take the company outside of California? Should he take it with him to Austin with his, his other factor? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think there's no need because I think he can... I don't know that Austin is particularly a better hiring pool, even for, like, based engineers, maybe. I mean, you know, I think one of the cool things that he did was basically change the... Um, you know, symbolic gestures matter. They just shouldn't be the only thing. And one of the neat things he did is change the, the word that t people at Twitter use to refer to themselves. So instead of tweets, they become twits, which is like naming. <laughs> it's like renaming. First of all, it's like disrespectful to those people. It's right, like renaming a country. It's like when the Khmer Rouge get in charge. I mean, you know, I, I see you, Elon Musk, and, and raise you Paul Pot. Right. And when the Khmer Rouge get in charge, they change the name of the fucking country and it becomes no longer Cambodia, it becomes Kampuchea. Not many motherfuckers know that. And the um, by changing we're, like we're going to rename D.C. We're going to rename D.C. to Gehenna. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The um, <laughs> um, 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 we're going to retain it, the lower rename it, the lower Potomac Nature Reserve and the um, <laughs> the uh, the Logan's Run Memorial Park. And um, yeah, so by basically doing things like where slash uh, munitions testing for yeah. greater Anacostia Great, will be more <laughs> greater Anacostia. That's right. That's right. We'll make we'll make the whole thing a kind of reserve. Never mind. But um, the the um, in, in any case, uh, especially Bethesda, and um, the like by just by changing you know even the 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 word that is referred to their employee that's like hugely disruptive to asabia that's like saying okay like you know we are no longer englishmen we're now like you know britons or citizens of the world or something it's like totally it's like imagine if you like took over america and like your first act was to say okay like you really took over america and you're like okay the first thing we're going to do is we are going to take all the streets in america that are named 
for Dr. Martin <laughs> Luther King Jr. And we're going to rename them for another great American born on the same day, Robert E. Lee. Right. So, you know, as, as a, imagine one day and all the streets and this happens everywhere. All these streets are renamed. The signs are taken down. You know, what a flex. Can you imagine a greater flex than that? Not any, like, as a symbolic no. flex. I mean, think about, you know, think about all the people that you'd have to walk over to get that done. You would basically be telling all of them that they used to have power, but they have no power anymore. And they would see that every time they looked at the street name. So that's this, like, huge punch in the gut to corporate Asabia. And it basically identifies people who are in favor with the new management as kind of a superior class. And it's kind of a step on the way to like for, you know, Elon to kind of make this whole company like, you know, bear the fruit of his loins. And the, um, the, <laughs> sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean anything by that. It's just, it's a metaphor for command. It's like Literally, if you're, an, if you're an intern under 40 in Twitter, it's possible. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I mean, I, the rumors that there's like some kind of program. No, 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 no. I, I don't believe that. Yeah. And um, he's got more kids than Sean Kemp. I think. He's a pronatalist. I like respect it. Right. He should have more kids than Sean Kemp. And um, I'm, I'm totally, uh, totally pro having more kids um, and about to have one myself. And yeah, no, I, I, uh, I like, you know, you never want to go around thinking that you've won in any way, in any way, shape, or form, especially when you've probably lost. Okay, probably this amounts to nothing. The most that you can say is that it doesn't necessarily have to amount to nothing. And it, like, doesn't necessarily have to be that, um, you know, the Elon loses this fight and either... Twitter becomes neutered or irrelevant. It could become a $44 billion gab. Like everything, you know, everyone with any class could just flee. The advertisers would flee. He'd be left with just, you know, a fucking building on Market Street. And the, um, so I think the overwhelming probability is that he will fail. And we should expect him deep in our souls. We should expect him to fail because that will probably happen. But we should not, you know, not, not without some hope. I believe that there's a case for hope. Well, I mean, anytime, anytime there's a battlefield defeat for an enemy that was until recently, I mean, recently is in like in 2015, it seemed completely invincible. Like there's just, a, mm-hmm. we're, we're at the end of history. There's no, there's no, there's no going back. It's like when Gibbon was was writing his, you know, big treaties on the fall of the Roman empire, like he, he, like I think he arbitrarily decided. Well, I guess you know the the peak is when is the point you stop expanding, you know, geographically and you start contracting. Well, you know, this is maybe tw- Twitter's stupid waste of time, whatever. But it was really important to them. It yeah. was a real. They loved it. They like look how they squeal when he threatens to like let oh, people yeah. like me yeah. buy a blue check for eight dollars a month. Like they, they <laughs> it, it really pisses them off. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's not nothing. That's sure, sure. And they should take existing blue checks and replace them with some other symbol, you know, that like marks <laughs> what? 
Shut the fuck up. Um, but um, the the um, I didn't mean that. But uh, the, you know the uh, there should definitely be some stigma associated. Crying emoji. There should be some stigma associated. Yeah, not so, you know orange. I don't know, like light <laughs> orange. But but uh, you know there should definitely be some stigmas associated with having held one of those original badges. And um, I mean, if you want to start a new account, that's fine too. Obviously, you can do that at any time. Um, but um, he referred to it as the lords and peasants system. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is funny because yeah. like, in a very yeah. derogatory sense. Yeah, yeah, like which that. just shows it shows how misguided he is, you know. Because the actually you need that system in a good sense. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah. In in any case, basically, <laughs> they're they're sort of like uh, the uh, the habit of like understanding you know, the effectiveness of your own blows in terms of the enemy's yelps of pain is, I think, a bad one. I think it yeah. is bad because yeah. it basically corresponds to, like, struggling and, um, um, you know, not sort of having a real... Um, um. Here's some lines from the great Robinson Jeffers, mid-century poet. It is better to be silent than make a noise. It is better to strike dead than strike often. It is better not to strike. And and the uh, you know extremely extremely badass lines. And um, because actually your goal isn't to strike, your goal is just to win. But you know it is certainly much better to be silent than to make a noise. And so it's like when you know these yelps are sort of evidence of your plan working no actually you should know what your plan is you know they're evidence of basically it's like the difference between struggling and fighting if you're like a seal struggling in the mouth of the of a killer whale do you manage to claw the fucker yeah a little bit does it like hurt right you know are you getting any less dead because of that and so like measuring your success by those yelps especially when those yelps are sort of mainly objectively used to organize attacks against you you're basically helping them signal their own base for support is like is sort of a bad thing instead you're just like no is actual like damage being done here and the question of you know can you actually they're sort of afraid that of Twitter in some way becoming a cross between uh, kind of, you know, the Arab Spring. And uh, I guess there was some, <laughs> the nation had this hit piece on me, which was something about, you know, fascist influencer. I'm a fascist influencer, baby. Uh, fascist influencer, <laughs> uh, you know, a fascist influencer wants Trump to use an Ladies. app to control mobs uh, or something. I mean, I mean, I, I sure it's true in a way, except for the fascist influencer part. I'm not really a fascist. Um, and, but, but, you know, it's not really the most important part of the thing. So, but they're sort of afraid of like the power of un, you know not only uncontrolled unshaped public opinion even worse of public the opinion the mob but the thing is the mob sort of focused and <laughs> shaped is what's really terrifying because the mob unorganized has no power but if the mob mm -hmm. can like shape itself into a force if it can go from like being a flashlight into a laser if it can focus itself you know, Q, Q, Trump and his his app controlled mobs, right? Suddenly, where you have like enormous power, 
And this like, you know, enormous power is fundamentally democratic power because it's the power of directly organizing the people. It is absolutely frightening to all forms of oligarchy. And well, so, our, our favorite mo- monarch, uh, Andrew Jackson, certainly like to flex this. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. You yeah. Know, he let the he let the mob. Yeah, and like you, you know, regardless of, of the the success or or not of the uh, of the trucker protest in in Canada, one thing that was blatantly obvious, like uh, you know, a couple of days into it, was that they don't have enough cops. They don't have enough army versus a that's uh, right an but, organized mob. That's right, but the mob has to be organized as part of it has to it has to have a plan to win or it has to have a way to win and not just right. not lose right. because otherwise it eventually loses and the like sure and 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 that's just sort of axiomatic and moreover whenever you do anything without a plan by definition you either depending on an incredible amount of luck or you're just losing and so you know there's just this sense of like transpose that from you know into the world of twitter and you ask the question of like what should something like twitter become how like should it you know you're thinking positively rather than negatively you're not thinking like some like barbarian taking you know the controls of the of a spaceship away from 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 the sophisticated creatures who built it and then like crashing it you know into the sun you know you're like no actually like you are the crazy one flying the plane i am sane i am a pilot i know how to fly a plane i need to get you away from the controls because you are determined to crash us in the middle of the indian ocean and return this plane safely to land if you're just like oh my god there's a crazy man at the controls the goal is to not have a crazy man at the controls like I'm sorry, it's him or someone. At least he knows how to use the instruments. And so there's a sense of like knowing, like one of the things that in in the generation, uh, you know, with with great love in my heart for Gen X, you know, (coughs) there's a way in which Gen Xers are unsuited to this problem because they feel too much of what Keats called negative capability. They kind of feel like, okay, I don't really have to have a plan here. There's this kind of open space that, you know, I can navigate into, and this is a cool space. This space smells better than that space. And I'm going to navigate into the space that smells freer and more open yet without any like hate or like far right stuff. And, um, or like hateful, you know, Uh, fascist influencers or whatever, um, you know, I'm going to sort of sail in that kind of beautiful direction. And, you know, anyone who can basically exploit that tendency can make you sail down along, you know, fjord into, into a trap. And because there's kind of nowhere to go with that. And unless you have the sense of like, okay, this is what this thing should be turned into rather than, hey, the frontier is open. The frontier is not open. The frontier is closing. This is like in in yeah. one of the last chances for any kind of large scale freedom on the conventional internet. And like, basically, this is the last, this is not the start of the like John Perry Barlow, you know, in, everything wants to be free internet revolution. This is its end. This is its last gasp. 
either Musk is like it's Napoleon or like, you know, the Cossacks will be in London, you know, and <laughs> not even just Paris. And and so, you know, either like the old regime could fail here. It will probably succeed. And once it succeeds, there will never be another opera, you know, opportunity like this that has this kind of shape that is shaped like the classical Internet. That's my, you know, like I, this is like the last battle of a dying age and either a new age is somehow born out of it or the darkness will sweep over all of us. And I'm pretty sure the darkness will sweep over all of us. So, but we're, this, we're not, sorry. we're not quite as old as you, but we're both old enough to remember internet 1.0 oh, in, yeah. the, in the, in the late nineties. And like, yeah, <laughs> using it, well, whenever people deb- Whenever people debate about censorship on Twitter or Facebook, it's, it, it's like a lot of young people on, on online, obviously. <laughs> yeah, right. And like, like I, just, I wish you, I wish they could understand. Like, I wish you could show them for a day what the internet was like in 1999. Oh yeah, so I mean, it would blow their mind. Even, they, even as, they couldn't believe it. Even as late as 2010, you know, even as late as like yeah. 2013, 14, the idea that like blogger would censor blogs based on their like political content the fuck like you know like that was that was unthinkable (laughs) back then and so the problem is if you're if you try to you know sort of trying to revive musk is from that era he's another gen x motherfucker and and he's trying to revive that ethos in many ways that's sort of the ethos of the intellectual dark web you know they're basically um they're not literally boomers they're like sort of spiritually boomers and you know they're sort of trying to revive this kind of lost thing from the past and the problem is it's like reviving the american chestnut tree the thing that killed it is still around dog you know <laughs> and 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 <laughs> yeah and, and you know you're gonna you're not just only going to get so far reviving this thing you're gonna see why that thing died and why that thing could not survive in the modern environment and anytime you see any like phenomenon die off systemically you should suspect some like systemic environmental change which if it's monotonic only getting worse in one direction you should expect that yeah you know until you have a theory of what killed free speech and and expression on the internet you probably shouldn't try you probably shouldn't bet 44 billion dollars on reviving free speech and expression on the internet right but you know i'm not elon musk elon musk did spend 44 billion dollars on reviving free speech and expression on the internet what he's going to find is that it can't be done and yeah, well, I mean, there, there, there is a theory on, on you know, what happened and, and why this is impossible. And it's, it's very simple. The history is cyclical. You know, the Internet was a frontier. And like all frontiers, it got enclosed. It got settled by these people. And then they brought in their rules and their law. And they, they, they rule over it now. And, yeah, you're right. You can't simply turn the dial back and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to reset it to the to, to year 2005. You can't do that because no, no. And, you're, not, you're not even the same people and so, anymore. And, that, that, and so the, the alternative, and it's an alternative that perhaps for ulterior motives that, and the expected, you know, it's not a cycle, but more a spiral. And, and the expected outcome in the cycle is that, you know, the old internet sort of turns into AOL and becomes, you know, the sort of, a horrendous merger of corporate <laughs> and governmental and you know religious power 
and on its outskirts, basically, you know, new bands of, you know, sea beggars, you know, arise and patrol a new frontier. That would be the expected result. Um, I can't tell you where that frontier might be, and but I'm sure it's out there. And, you know, that was sort of what will benefit if Elon fails in this historic challenge. But like, you know, here we're seeing this like real test of the great man theory of history. Like, you know, you, you can't really falsify that theory, but you can, you know, if, if he fails here, but he could succeed. And, but I don't think, I don't think that he can succeed in the forum that he thinks he can succeed in. Did you ever go on to BBS? Uh, well, you know, the thing is I was, you know, never, I was on Usenet. You know, on Usenet, we sort of looked right. at a BBS. The med, you know, imagine you Plans. imagine you lived in the West Village. Now imagine you live in Queens. We had heard that there were people at universities. They <laughs> yeah, had this exactly. magic thing called a T one. You had a T one connection. Yeah, you uh, may have that yeah, to somewhere. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. We in our ninety six hundred baud modem. You know, man, when I got my first ninety six hundred baud modem, I used to play Empire on an old Vax over a three hundred baud modem with like no error correction. Uh, you know, yeah, no, no, no. We were, of course, you know, you know, the thing. It was definitely a class thing, and you know, the thing about you know people of a higher class is that whether you like it or not, they're just classier. And so, yeah, I was, I was never on a, it, it was never classy enough for me. Like it was never my thing, but yeah, it was definitely that phenomenon was a rich and beautiful phenomenon in a way it had more interest, strange and interesting variety than even the early internet that I was on. The early internet just had higher, you know, quality, but so, so we just had a little recording outage and it happened immediately when I said in response to a frankly really disrespectful comment about Generation X, uh, which is my people and 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 they uh, and and you know and and I I couldn't uh, you know and I asked asked you guys I just I figured you would know about the the connection between me and and Beto or work. No. no. Nothing, nothing. And I got this dead silence. And then the silence just kept on going on. And I just like, I'd like, I'm like, I'd, I'd like destroyed you guys. Like there'd been like some kind of heart attack. Like you had not imagined me like, in, I mean, with better or Rock, right? And, and the, yeah, he was um, skateboarding the is, and touring and touring. He was skateboarding. And he was a member of, and he was a member, had some vague affiliation of uh -oh. um with this hacker group or you know cool hacker group called cult of the dead cow oh yes. which once also posted a short story by 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 me i and my like is a like that i wrote as like a you know 17 year old sophomore or something and the wow. um it wasn't it wasn't good but but so you know this was a I'm i mean i'm a contemporary of beto i've never met beto we never had like i mean not sex and and you know <laughs> but here is this you know here's this connection so i just you know like i i wanted to ground myself in a, a real compatriot a fellow veteran of the early internet who well, well, sadly may isn't he running or something? I don't think it's it's looking good for Beta. Yeah, it's not going well. Um, oh, that that is uh, that is going Beta. into some kind of uh, log somewhere because there, there's I've heard uh, you know conspiracies about the cold of the dead cow like it's um, you know it, it's it's like a, a Masonic type thing because you know all the all these <laughs> right, guys right 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 it's like all all starting in 2032 like all the presidents will be members right yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, posting uh, like what free yeah, games I mean, yeah, or I'm whatever. Pretty, I'm, 
I'm pretty sure you haven't seen the last of Beto, but but the um uh, yeah, that's uh you know I mean the thing is you know if you look at the early progressives they had this they did this really cute thing where they took over both parties, and sure. and literally like the same guys are like taking over the Democrats like Woodrow Wilson is like oh yeah the Democrats are the conservative party but you know I can hijack their body and ride on their the backs of their necks like some kind of grotesque leech you know and and that's. I mean, like it or not, that's what you have to do. So, you know, I'm I'm a strong. One of the things I like about Good Old Boys is uh, your, of course, uh, you know, keenly aesthetic sense that allows you to appeal <laughs> to those people that I know of as the elves, which is not a euphemism. <laughs> and the uh, <laughs> what? Jesus Christ! You guys are implying all sorts of things to me. You know. Next, we're going to start about to start talking about like six million or five point five, you know. But but uh, um, the uh, it's 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 six, of course. But um, um, never mind. But yeah, the the um, so whenever somebody posts a picture of uh, uh, Abby Shapiro, uh, Ben Shapiro's sister, people are like uh-huh. it's maybe it was seven, maybe it was seven yeah. or eight. I'm not, you know. <laughs> oh, oh my god oh we've gotten into the into the holocaust humor uh yeah 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 no 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 i mean you know what did all those jews die for if not for a laugh but you know the the um in any case uh you know that's the uh, that's the question of uh of of like i let me summarize what I think, you know, sort of what we never got to. What, what should he do? What should be done? Right. So the real the real question is basically when you're trying to say that freedom, uh, that Twitter should be like this bastion of free expression, you're kind of you're, you're sort of kind of pushing power away from you. You're saying, oh, well, this will be a playground. Well, you know, power shall have no sway. And we're all just like equal here. The problem is that once you have a structure that inherently of its own has power, power is going to get interested in it, whether you like it or not. And so, you know, he thinks that's a path to keeping his advertisers. And in fact, it's perhaps a slightly slower way of driving them away because what's going to happen is that Every time he makes a concession to power, they're going to do the thing of not taking yes for an answer. So they're going to basically redouble their pressure on him. General Motors already pulled their ass. Really? Yeah, right. So so, so Twitter becomes something that can barely sell as many ads as like Reddit. You know, honestly, does he even care that much if basically Twitter is just a money sink? For him, maybe he does. He's got debt holders. I don't know. He doesn't like it. But, like, it's going to be very, very hard. They have a way to equate every single offensive tweet with, like, the owners of Twitter and the business of Twitter, you know, by personalizing the target Alinsky style in a way that they totally didn't have before. So, actually, he's turned Twitter and himself into much more attractive, you know, um, um, you know, problems, because basically every time someone gets on that platform and tweets a word that rhymes with trigger, right, they're like, they're going to be on him. Like, that's uh, as if he had said the word. Right. Uh, you know, and but the, the, the funny thing is, well, he is African-American. He can't say that. 
That's their word. <laughs> he's got the, he's got I was going to leave. You know, I, you know, I was going to use that piece of humor, and then I was like, oh, that's too obvious. I'll leave it to those. 20 bucks a month, but, and you but, can get the pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be so amazing. 20 bucks a month. Leave Jesus Christ. You know, 200 bucks a month. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, no, you have a choice. You can submit, you know, documentation, right? You know, biometrics, you know, Twitter with biometrics, uh, which includes like DNA analysis, which can prove within it or just like AI. AI, AI, right? You know, like like the old South Africans had their like skin test, right? You know, they had little cards with skin tones. Just AI can do it, you know. And other than that, you can purchase the pass for like $1,000 a month. It's not a cheap pass. You know, and like this, this one costs the company dear, right? You know, like, uh, you know, think about it. Imagine, you know, there's probably someone at Twitter whose job is, whose sole job it is to suppress the N word. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, you shouldn't that? <laughs> like, and then, then, because they yeah. about last week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, 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 you know, you have someone like, like, you know, 10% of his day is on like end towers. He collects statistics <laughs> on like end towers, right? You know, like how many people have Twitter, Twitter have tweeted the letter G, right? You know, let's, let's compare the number of tweets of the letter G to the number of tweets of the letter I, right? You know, if that's in any way, like a two to one ratio, like there's a problem here. Right. You know, and, and so there's like, you know, think about like the, that's like classic machine learning pattern recognition there, you know, to sort of detect that that this problem is rearing its ugly head on your platform. Right. And so really, you know, maybe there's even like an office, maybe there's like a whole team, like a whole floor, like, you know, dedicated to like keeping Twitter clean, like in this one sense. The right. funny thing and is, if, if he if having Twitter running a loss would be fine if he's a guy who understands like the value of owning Twitter is like the value of owning the Washington Post. It's not that you're going to make right, money yeah. with it; it's that you yeah. ha- you now have a loudspeaker. But yeah, yeah, you think yeah. you you, th- you don't think he understands? I that. was just quoting. Yeah, John and Lennon. well, he doesn't yeah, understand how to like. <laughs> he understands it at this very very abstract level. He doesn't understand how to basically you know make this organization into like basically he's you know let's go back let's go back to sort of what i think that would be an interesting direction here maybe it's not the only one but it's the only one that i can imagine working you know which is that you say instead of sort of resisting the instead of having this like very protestant notion of like everyone on twitter thinks for themselves and tweets for themselves and twitter is the marketplace of ideas like, you know, and that's that's a very Protestant way to see sort of intellectual truth. And like it or not, that way of seeing truth is kind of inconsistent with like operating as a functional, you know, popular organization in the 21st century. Eventually, you might even get to a point where, think about it, imagine there's some date where basically like everyone, even the Pope is like, you got to get off Twitter or you're a racist. And anyone who actually tweets after that date is presumptively a racist. And they're, they all, it's like they're unvaxxed or something. They're like racist and unvaxxed and like homophobic and they all have to be fired. And like, actually, if you're employing a person like this, you're operating a racist company, right? You know, that's like the level of like death penalty that Twitter could ultimately face. 
All right. Elon Musk doesn't know this, like, you know, this power exists in the world, but it's there. And and so, you know, that that's why he and he's going to face more and more of these attacks. And that's why sort of if he is operating Twitter simply as a business, he's going to staff up that N-word team. He's going to basically add to the level of censorship on Twitter. He's going to make it basically harder and harder. He's going to try to make it harder and harder for, uh, you know, them to like get him by saying, look, you know, wow, this, this tweet, which was just like the N word, like it's just an anagram of the N word and it's gotten 16,000 likes. Clearly, these people are liking the N-word, right? You've got to try harder. And, and Isn't the, this the, the story of what happened to Jack Dorsey, basically? Uh, yeah, right. And so basically, they just they, they just cycle up the pressure. And as they cycle up the pressure, you lower the bar. You're like, basically, it's like, you know, you'll have like entire days when people can't use the letter G so that they can't in some way, you know, and, 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 and it doesn't <laughs> work. Basically, it's like people are still out there, you know, like, you know, under the level of surveillance, like you see this on the Chinese internet, people have all these like inventive, you know, neologisms Uh, a long time ago, they started talking about Winnie the Pooh instead of Xi Jinping, right? And so you have this endless game of like cat and mouse with a sort of ever more intrusive bureaucratic censorship state that springs up as like basically Elon realizes that as a business, he has no choice but to basically dance, you know, to the tune of the little gnomes in New York or whatever. Right. You know, and the, obviously it's not run by gnomes, but you know what I mean? But, but the it's elves, <laughs> it's elves that's right. And, and by the way, the you know that gnomes. coded language for the N word, you know, they do that in restaurants. They, they say Canadian. Canadians, Canadians, yeah, it's a good thing. Um, Yes, and 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 the and and so, yeah, that's basically sort of like he'll find that more and more power is focused on him, and that for the first time his business needs really go against the desires of power. And if he wants to survive, he has to submit. And he's basically put himself in a lot of positions where he's been like very stubborn with like all of his like self-driving car shit and stuff. And it's kind of, you know, come out for him, but he hasn't faced like the kind of pressure that he may face now. And he'll like, and he hasn't been maybe in a situation where caving a little will make the problem ultimately even worse. It's like scratching uh, a mosquito bite. So, you know, as he tries to, protect free speech and expression, at least some free speech and expression, at least non-hateful free speech and expression. As soon as you co- you know, admit that this like category of like hate exists, you've already lost the game, you know, rhetorically in a sense. And so in a way, it's sort of like it has to push him to a point where he really overturns that table in a way. And the pressure is just going to be like much greater than the pressure that what's his face. Um, 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 uh, Rajiv, um, you know, faced. And, um, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> I didn't know you spoke that sorry. language so fluently. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm terrible with names. Uh, you know, and, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> in any case, um, yeah, like he's just, he's just unprepared for basically like, you know, what's, what's coming at him. But he's also Elon Musk. He's a beast. Right. You know, um, this is a beast. I mean, literally out of Africa. 
like he comes to us from the dark continent. So, you know, like, again, we have like, like no American could be Elon Musk, right? And, and so, you know, we have this, like this battle of, of titans that's out there where, you know, the forces up against the hero are just much greater than our hero imagines. He's like, I'm going to go kill a dragon. You know, this dragon, he imagines the dragon to be like the size of the bed, right? You know, it's actually like, you know, the size of the freaking hill, but he has to kill it anyway. But because the hero, he's the hero, he does. I mean, this is like, this is riveting magnetic great man history. This is like Henry, you know, uh, the seventh riding into battle personally against Richard the third, except that, you know, one of the forces is like a heroic, you know, um, king and the other is like a jelly-like in human force. But, you know, it's still, you know, uh, maybe it's a little more C.S. Lewis, but it, it's still, it's still history. Like something is happening here. And I expect it to be snuffed out. I expect it to be to fail catastrophically. But, you know, gentlemen, gentlemen, we have to admit that something is happening here. So let's get back to the question of what should happen. So basically, you know, again, if you say we're going to protect free expression on Twitter, what you find is that you just get squashed like a bug. And what you're doing there is you're sort of insisting on these like Protestant family values of like free expression and everyone gets to think what they want and that's like roger williams you know fled the puritans to establish you know providence you know and like i i'm sorry it may be the anglo-american tradition but like it will avail you nothing in this place and instead basically he has to adopt a very different doctrine i think which is essentially the catholic the Catholic doctrine. I'm not saying that Twitter has to become a, a Catholic website. Uh, they got to go the like YouTube full trad cast with, with like with like crosses ever. Imagine if you if one day, just as like a hall, you know, just for April Fools. Okay, Elon Musk is like for April Fools. We are going to take all of the woke diversity language on our website everywhere, and we are going to replace it with Catholic language. I'm, I'm, they're not using me. I'm using them. But um, when I said that that Elon, Elon for uh, one day, just for for April, April first, maybe for April Fool's Day, should take the Twitter website, the whole corporate website, and every instance of um, DEI language that he sees <laughs> should be replaced with Catholic language. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, wouldn't you know? Maybe you could have an AI do it. You know, DEI, diversity, and inclusion, and equity and inclusion becomes day God, and and you know, suddenly you're just like, wow, this is what what would it would be like if we lived in a tradcath nation? Everything would be tradcath. All the children's books would be tradcath, and you know, you'd go to like Barnes and Noble, you'd see there'd be like this whole shelf of books about like Pius the fucking ninth or something for like nine year olds. And um, the the in any case, um, I'm sorry, isn't uh, Jesus currently the prime minister of Poland? <laughs> Um, um, say that again. Um, how is he Jesus? I don't know the. <laughs> no, sorry, never mind. There was a crazy story that came out, and it was like, uh, people were celebrating. It doesn't matter. This DEI thing, like, I didn't really realize we were gonna get anything on this. I didn't know this was a combo uh, meal. And he said, like, he's gonna get rid of these people, which I didn't. I didn't know that was available. I didn't know again? that was on the table. Yeah, that's interesting. That's pretty tough. So you know, basically, you know, there there's sort of a lot that could go again, like 
that's evidence of like good reflexes. But the thing is, the direction that he's going is a direction that will lead only to struggle and not to victory. And I really, really, really encourage all good old boys and good old boys fans everywhere never to mistake struggle for victory and struggle for strategy. Because here is basically the strategy that... I, in my innocent wisdom, being just like a guy in his pajamas with a laptop here, think that should be followed in a situation like this. So both of these kind of doctrines are sort of equally valid and have run societies for many years. The doctrine that everyone has their own truth, the Protestant doctrine, and the Catholic doctrine that error has no right. So... If you basically say, okay, we're going to take Twitter and we're going to take the declaration that error has no right on Twitter. And we're going to say, if you tweet misinformation, we're going to put a notice. We're going to put a notice on your tweet that leads to the correct information about the subject that you tweeted about. But we're going to use our own definition of the correct information. We are used to basically saying we as a mere internet company, you know, we're just internet nerds from Silicon Valley. Like we have tape on our glasses. Like we don't know what's true or not true, but you know what knows who's what's true or not true. The New York times, man, they know what's true or not true. And the thing is that any moderation policy at all has to have some sense of a distinction between truth and error. And, you know, there's some sense in which the question of shouting fire in a burning theater is a different question depending on whether the theater is or is not burning, right? Right. And so if, you, if you're going to say we have to have a definition of truth, we have to decide whether saying COVID is a lab leak is this anti-scientific statement that damages science's attempt to prevent to protect us from dangerous bat viruses or whether science somehow turned into a thing that brings us dangerous bat viruses and <laughs> makes them as dangerous as possible and <laughs> that's an important question at present we don't really have anyone in our society that is trustworthy to settle that question we have these conventional providers of truth. We call them things like the New York Times and Harvard. And, you know, they have all these famous brands. Like, they have good brands. You guys have good brands. But, you know, what is the quality of their actual product? Does anyone really trust it at, these point, at this point, especially, you know, trust it for more than just, like, ideological reasons? No, it's a terrible product, not in that it's poorly crafted, because the writing in the New York Times is still generally pretty good. The, you know, the people at Harvard are generally pretty smart, but like the ideas that they produce have serious problems. And so if you're not trusting these authorities, you basically have to have some source of truth. And either again, you have the Protestant like marketplace of information ideas will emerge out of like the free flow of discourse. You know, this is where my truth will come from. You know, frankly, I have no evidence that that theory has ever worked. Like truth. Well, always uh, comes I, I do. Valid authorities. Uh, Bathloo, the, the Bathloo. Uh, I had uh, completely anonymous people on Twitter giving me information that now the New York times agree was correct. Of course they were censored by the New York times. 
you know, so yeah, there is the exact. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, No, 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 no. I don't mean. I don't. And mean by the way, the, the, elves, I don't the elves took an L on this because they were the ones pushing the bat flu so, hysteria. So, that now everyone they, they're, so, they're begging so, for, in the so, New York Times so, for, for. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me correct myself. You're right, of course. You're right, of course. Of course, you're right. I'm not saying that that basically never has this channel spread correct information. It has often spread correct information when Harvard and the New York Times are wrong. The problem is never has this this channel been a systematically correct spreader of only correct information. And the thing is, aspiring to be to that status is what you need to aspire to if you actually aspire to earn the mandate of motherfucking heaven. And having been right occasionally, you know, my dog is right occasionally. Like, you know, great, wonderful. Like, you know, that's like the standard of like a child. You know, a grown-up has to be right every time. And so what I'm suggesting is basically that if you abandon this like libertarded idea that like truth emerges from the marketplace of ideas. And you're like, no, the marketplace of ideas is useful and powerful. It's a powerful force, but it's completely unrefined and completely useless. You know, like, uh, uh, you know, I came up with this metaphor for the relationship between discourse and truth. Discourse has the same relation to truth that Coke relief has to cocaine. Like you have to like actively refine it. You can't basically say, Oh, truth will emerge out of like the public mind. It's much more complicated than that. The public mind will often seize on like errant fictions and like actually figuring out, you know, what is true. Yes. You can sort of use crowdsourcing to some extent like that. But one of the common failures of these like Gen X, you know, internet companies is they over crowdsource stuff. You know, it's like, if you ever wanted like actual technical support and you go to like discussions.apple.com and you find that it's just like, like, random wankers like posting about like you know often like the same weird page in response to like a bunch of like google hits like you know in response to like 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 apple id can't log in right you know it's it's like you know how do you run discussions.apple.com it has apple.com in like the name and yet there's just like this like sewer of shitty crowd information on there and you know it's this result <laughs> taking discourse for truth right you know this is on your own site right you know and and you're just and you're trying to like crowdsource your like customer support and it's like failing embarrassingly like uh, you know and the like what twitter would need to do to really make an impact on the world and also i think to pr- sort of to give itself the self-confidence that it needs to reject these kinds of pressures is to actually say, no, we at Twitter are going to insource truth. And saying you're going to insource truth rather than outsourcing it, outsourcing it says we're not going to have our single source of truth be the mainstream, reputable New York Times and Wikipedia. We are going to decide for ourselves as Twitter.com using the power of our billions of subscribers or whatever, using our like, you know, the fact that anything can be brought to our attention using some kind of structured process. But like we at Twitter are going to decide what's true. And then when something is false and the New York Times tweets it out, we're going to put a misinformation label on the New York fucking Times. 
And when you click on that misinformation label, you're going to get the world's best explanation of why exactly the Times is misinforming you or misleading you in this way. We are going to develop the power to fact check the New York Times. And after that, our decks will get so big that we develop the power to fact check Harvard. And we can basically, hey, say, Harvard, you know what? Your science is wrong. Hey, Harvard, here's what we figured out about string theory. Like, imagine, like, a company developing that kind of power, right? You know, this is the kind of dream. Silicon Valley loves this kinds of dreams. Like, you know, you're basically, like, your dick needs to grow from, like, the size of, like, a dog hair to, like, you know, a redwood tree. Like, that's what exponential growth means. Like, this sort of enormous erection of, like, power and confidence. You've got to have dreams that are this big, this inflated. You've got to be like this horny to fuck the universe, right? You know, and to say that Twitter could gain so much power that Twitter could fact check Harvard, you know, remember, like, you know, in 1900, like nobody thought that Harvard could be like telling the U.S. government what to do, like professors deciding public policy, like deciding that there's like a science of government, like unheard of. And so, you know, when you basically seize sort of the power of credibility and you actually just do it by becoming like the most credible thing on earth and just like never being wrong, you develop this level of power that's just fucking obscene. What seems to be his plan, what he's laid out, is that you, A, you're going to be able to purchase the blue check, which has, in, 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 in Twitter's through the mechanism of Twitter, it means that you have a like a privileged position in the algorithm, whatever. So the New York Times tweets out some bullshit, like the New York Times does. Uh, a person who has three hundred thousand followers who now has a blue check fact checks uh, fact checks the New York Times. There's not neighbor, really a New York neighbor, Times neighbor, can do about that. Never people neighbor no 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 because nobody has any reason to trust that person. Right. And so he, he fact checked the actually, president. You know, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, you know, it's just the same as just abolishing blue checks. It's again, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not really a power gesture. Twitter would work the same and fine with no blue checks. It would be what it is, you know, with the same suspension policies. It's a completely, it's not at all a gesture against the strong. And in addition, the crucial thing that needs to happen is that you're not resisting power or like ignoring power you're competing with power. And so you're actually trying to compete to create new centers of prestige. And like having a lot of Twitter, even having a lot of Twitter followers, like as an individual, isn't enough to be a center of prestige. Like you have to actually compete with the powers that be and actually genuinely not appearing to be better than them not being more popular than them, but actually being better than them. And until you're actually prepared to like, you know, strip aside all artifice and take on this job, like you are just like doing this bogus thing that is going to fail. I I, I see. I mean, so like this thing that this, the, the fact check that Twitter developed, it's a perfect thing to, to steal as, because it just appears it's, it's not, no one's yeah. saying it. It's just the voice of God. It just says, it's this just the shit voice is of wrong. God. It says this motherfucker be wrong. But the thing is, if the voice of God was first of all, so confident that it could say to the New York times, not as the voice of some asshole who bought a blue check for eight bucks a month, but as the voice of Twitter itself, the voice of God is like, no, 
actually, the New York Times is incorrect. You know, actually, Elon did one thing that was cute in this direction. I'm pretty sure this happened. He introduced a tag for um, Ukraine-affiliated state media. (laughs) 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 And I'm just, like, incredibly based. You know, and so, you know, these these little moves, like, with my heart, in a way. And, you know, but, like, I, my brain needs to be convinced. You know, my, you know, our hearts are too easy to win. And, and and so yeah, it's like basically if the voice of God could you know debate the New York Times and the voice of God was right, you know, there's there's something about overthrowing regimes, which is that every regime has thrown within the principle of its own dominance. And so, if the New York Times ruled America by as a military despotism by fire and the sword, they could only de- be defeated by fire and the sword. However, they rule by prestige. They rule by being the most prestigious source around. And even for us, in general, they're the most prestigious source around. I don't trust the New York Times, but there isn't really any source of truth that I trust more than the New York Times. Some obscure authors on some obscure subjects. But the mm. thing is that 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 aggregation of prestige into something that men can unconditionally follow and obey coherently without making up their own fucking minds like a bunch of fucking Protestants is like what separates, you know, like bullshit boomer libertarian free expression opposition to real competition with power. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, you know that, that question of saying Twitter is an opportunity to create an alternative nexus of information power that is more powerful than the powers that be. The problem is Elon by default expects his users to do this for him. And they won't and they can't. The, you know, the attitude I always think of uh, Christopher Hitchens used to bitch constantly about the there was that Catholic book um, that is called The Syllabus of Errors. Yeah, uh, Pius the Ninth, I believe. It's an anti-modernist, or maybe the tenth. There's this big liberal guy. I kind of like him, but he he sort of describes the beginning of democracy. He describes it like that it started with the beginning of the uh, with Benjamin Franklin or or his brother. I don't know which one starting a newspaper, which is uh, yeah. you know when you Benjamin Franklin he said like uh, you know I started a newspaper to give people proper moral instruction, you know to yeah, tell them what's yeah, right. He, you have to you have to sort of you have to be kind of a lighthouse of power. You have to not be afraid to lead and take control and say what's right. And Elon is under the very very mistaken belief as I understand it that Twitter can be a neutral platform. Twitter cannot be a neutral platform. There can be no such thing as a new, neutral platform. Either the platform is trying to be neutral and always at war because of that or it surrenders completely, or it is a platform with its own independent mind. But that mind has to actually or be organized by and belong to Twitter itself. Twitter has, there is no power to which Twitter can outsource that work. Actually being a producer of truth is Twitter's natural core competence. One, one important thing keeps coming up both in this conversation and in general, the 
idea that there is something uniquely Protestant about the current political moment or whatever. Uh, I hate this. It's bullshit. It's cope. Uh, if if the it's Reformation just a historical, yeah, sorry, going. If the Reformation, if the you know, if the Reformation had failed, then the Catholics would have been in charge of an industrial revolution, and they and because of how history is cyclical, we would be here and people would be explaining how the universal church doctrine was the reason this all happened. It it it's it's all that. Please, people don't don't buy into that crap. It's like. And, you, you know, it's an, it's, an, it's an analogy, I mean, but yeah, sorry, go on. Well, you know, it, it, it's, an, it's an analogy, but it's also, like, you, there's different readings of it. Like, for example, your piece about the, about the dark elves and the elves. Like, uh, one reading of that would be, is both impossible and improper for hobbits, a.k.a. like Protestant Americans, to ever have power again because they can't use it, you know, so, whatever. It, first of all, first of all, when you're using the word Protestant, you mean like a specific clade, you mean, you don't mean Protestant, you mean evangelical, uh, you know, because when you look at like mainline Protestant motherfuckers, they're as like blue as they're bluer than Jews. Yeah. They're, but I just they're they're much, they're like, they're much bluer than Jews. They're, they're like, they're like the core of like American communism is like, hardcore mainline Protestant, but that's completely different from these evangelical sects, which are basically descendants of like weird hill cults, you know, um, um, (laughs) founded and, you know, or like people that predicted like the world would end in 1832 or like strange, like German, you know, peasant prophets stone out of their gourds on ergot. Right. You know, this is, this is, uh, the people who settled this country who built, who, who, who created this. I think you mean, you know, if you've read Albion Seed, I think it's one set of people who settled those country. I think you're talking about crackers. And, and I, uh, you know, I reject the, it so happens that technically crackers, cavaliers, um, Quakers, and Puritans are all Protestants at a certain level. But the fact is that one of these groups is responsible for the like shit that afflicts the others and it's the Massachusetts Puritans and they're definitely Protestants. Absolutely. I I, I totally agree with that. You can see this, this, you have those documents and stuff. It goes back a long ways, but luckily for us, the, uh, the people who fill out the Republican party, the crackers, the Southern Baptist evangelicals have no, one thing, one thing about the, 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 the Massachusetts, the, the, the new England people is they had never like, hierarchy they don't like or to some level they, mm. they don't like uh one person making it they like the councils and the committees yeah, and shit. yeah. they the, like they the, like oligarchy and bureaucracy and you know and they don't like anything quote authoritarian right we like we we don't have a problem with the uh the curtis Yarvin monarchy plan we like andrew yeah. jackson we like uh huey long we like the the uh big man yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like Hispanics in that. And and the um, <laughs> you know <laughs> that's cool, right? And and you know, obviously I'm I'm totally respectful of this like Patron Huey Long, you know, political distinction if that's the class of people that you're you're dealing with. And the you know, I myself or you know, I'm you know, of course of a northeastern, you know, heritage, partly of the, the Hebraic persuasion, uh and, but uh, I mean, this is a this is a good question. So how do, I mean? So 
how different is uh like patronage like uh that that's sort of like you know the, the, when I think of populism I mean so populism yeah. is basically patronage politics local big man uh, I mean I don't I don't understand there, how there like many, this yeah this there, isn't there, different how is this different from from uh, you know the monarchy uh, stuff that like. B- by the way, I say monarchy. I say I'm a monarch. Because people are like, what do you mean? Like, how is there there no king? I was like, well, you know, the other words I have available for this are like, you know, tyrant or despotism or whatever. Yeah, I yeah. just want big man. You know. Yeah, I want you know, and 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 so the sort of the basically, you know, remember when I talked about <coughs> democratic energy to be useful or effective in any way has to be organized or focused in some way. If everybody opposes the state in their own hearts and nothing is organized about them, they can do nothing. If everyone opposes the state in their own hearts and chooses to disclose it by like acting in some way, they can do nothing. Even a mob has to all be in the same place at the same time. Right. So, you know, the more, you know, sort of organized you get in this, you know, into the extreme point of where you basically, rather than, you know, you're like being in a mob in like the 17th century sense where you're just like, you know, Oh, I heard that, you know, they're, they're, uh, we're, you know, uh, uh, slaughtering the Protestants in such and such a place run. Everybody's doing it. You can see the fire, you can smell the smoke, you know, instead of doing a mob, you know, the, or, you know, we're tossing tea into the harbor or whatever. Instead, the way your mob works is you install the mob app. And when the mob app has, and you give it uh, notification privileges, and then if you're needed, it gives you a notification. It says you'll be needed in front of the federal building in San Francisco, 1030 in the morning on such and such a day. It can track your location, tell if you show, and, you know, the result is that you can summon any number of people to any place. And you've created this, um, you know, not even a flash mob, but considering that they're all under remote control in this way, it's really a flash army. It may be an unarmed army, but there's a lot of things you can still do within an unarmed army. If you've got the federal building surrounded by 10,000 people, all of them receive an alert on their phone that says, now take the building. This has been very, we've seen this been effective without any kind of arms whatsoever outside of polling yeah. stations, et cetera, which sure, by the way, sure. I mean, in, in 2024, a, it, maybe some kind of app uh, should tell people to be around, uh, say, Philadelphia polling stations. They, yeah, sure. They already, I mean, they already have this capability. This is how they, you know, we saw them do it in 2020. And we also yeah. saw, particularly here where I live, uh, Facebook had its own little version of this where people, formed i mean formed militias and and yeah. took up arms and went to places to stand in front of those people and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you, you just you, you just need you just need 60 million people signed up in the same app and that app to be under the control of the uh, incoming <laughs> a newly elected president uh you know and now you're talking and you know Imagine like, you know, January 6th on January 20th, right? It has a totally different vibe if Trump has just been inaugurated. That's the classic, you know, you know, conservative thing too little too late. But the, uh, you know, like imagine what a different vibe that would have had. And, um, and, and so, you know, there's sort of whenever the point is that whenever you see the big man, the patronage, 
patronage is just a primitive way of doing that same thing of organizing the power of a mass through a single point. Make sense? Yes. Which is the and only way to do things. Which is the only way to do things. And so basically this is why like they call it fascist and they, you know, they're like, you know, I'm like a fascist influencer. Well, you know, that was a political phenomenon of the mid 1930s. It was a thing of its time, you know, in place. They certainly had good uniforms, right? But it shouldn't be confused with, like, the general thing of organizing mass support through a single point. Because actually there's a name for that, and the name is democracy. And, you know, whenever you're basically using the power of the masses, you're doing a democracy. And democracy, people think of democracy as like a stable force. Democracy is a transient force. You use it not to govern, but to switch governments. And, you know, so there's really no contradiction in terms at all between basically, you know, the ultimate in democracy is really one man, one vote, one time. People see that as a perversion of democracy, but actually that one time gives all of their power to the one man they elect. If it had been end times, then you're only giving him a much smaller power because then he has to run for re-election in four years. So, you know, basically anything that involves from the perspective of a voter, you want to maximize your total power involves a whole lot of people giving all of their power to someone else. Another example, when you sign up for the app, here's the way it works. You sign up for the app, you say, I'm a Trump supporter. Trump is like, okay, great. You're another one. You're number 59, 752. Uh, you know, here's what we're going to do. Number one, we're going to basically, you're going to turn location privileges on. Uh, you're going to register with the app a list of all the arms that you own. Just in case. We're not going to, I mean, just in case. And, um, and you know, what your skill level, what your, you know, military experience is. You know, it's not a militia. It's, they're just questions, Leon. And then um, you're going to give location privilege so we know where you are at all times. Also, anytime there's an election eligible for, you're eligible for you, we'll give you a fully completed ballot. And we'll just tell you, you're going to delegate all of your democratic power to President Trump. If there is an election for dog catcher in your town, President Trump will tell you who the dog catcher should be. He might be a transsexual Confederate rapist. You're going to vote for him anyway automatically. You're not even going to look at the ballot. You don't even, my friend, you don't even need to read the news. You don't need to follow issues or debate affairs. Actually, you've taken all of your power and put it in one direction. And you, therefore, have exercised vastly more power than the idiot who's, like, reading the, like, you know, Dayton Daily Penny to decide who's the best dog catcher to catch all the stray dogs that are around everywhere. You know, and and so by sort of, uh, you know, in fact, ideally, you wouldn't even have to perform this unpleasant data entry task. Um, you would basically, by registering as a Trump supporter, you would de delegate all of your political power to Trump. And so anytime there was an election for dog catcher, basically, rather than Trump having to like download the data to your phone on your app, and then you have to go and key it in one by one at the polling station, um, the election server just talks to President Trump's server and says, President Trump has 30% of the votes. 
this is who he wants. Our President Trump has 60% of the votes. He appoints all the dog catchers. And so you basically, you know, by having more the basic principle of democratic organization, which is, you know, was first really pioneered by in this country by Martin Van Buren, um, not, a, not, not a very different fellow from Andrew Jackson, um, was basically, it was called wire pulling back then. And, the, you know, Plato talks about it. Like, you know, the whole problem of like teaming this massive chaotic energy into an organized force, especially when individuals are so weak and so unwilling to fight and so passive and have such low testosterone, you have to organize them perfectly. And by organizing them perfectly means that they sort of delegate all of their power in much this way. And yeah, it's a sensible reform to allow people to like delegate their votes. They don't have to do this like data entry task. Once 60% of the population delegates their vote to President Trump, President Trump is in complete control. Like any, anyone resisting the president is literally resisting democracy. Right. Basically, you know, at that point, yeah, there's like law or whatever, but you know, at that point, you know, the president can clearly de- declare himself the chief executive of the executive branch, and he can say, you know, at long last, I am the living constitution, and you know, then he he becomes the guy, the god in her. He becomes a star. He may even be worshipped as a god, actually, in his own lifetime in all of our, our kindergartens. And I'm just joking. That's not really the way I want to go with it. But if, if you wanted to go with it that way, he could, because that, uh, you know, that's the level of power that you should be able to delegate. And when you look at all of these checks and balances and, you know, things that prevent you from delegating that much power in that clear and cohesive way, they're all thinly disguised anti-democratic measures. They're all intended to like buffer and they're kind of windbreaks against democracy. They know it's going to kind of flow through, but they don't want it to like develop that level of power. And the ultimate level of democratic power is the power of the people to choose a monarch. That that's a good plan. Could could use a little tweaking. For example, I don't want to tell uh, I don't want to tell the the Trump app uh, about my about what firearms I have and what things I might do. However, that is information you do you would you would be willing to tell well, the people. Bro, over, the security and Republican software engineers don't really go together. Yeah, well, here, <laughs> but here here's my point. Okay, let's say yeah. there was a more local figure. That I could, that I would entrust this information to, who in turn would, you know, be the, sure. let's say, vassal of of Professor Doctor Trump, right? Like, th- th- yeah. like this is a, this is a, a way of thinking that would not be utterly foreign to Americans because it is essentially federalism with, we'll say, some extra steps, but not, but not really. Sure. It should have been now, recognizable now, to people in, in 1830. It would have been recognizable to people in 1840. You know, the problem is it's kind of not recognizable to most Americans now because the mo- most Americans mm-hmm. have lived, you know, no longer live in a kind of fundamentally patriarchal, heterosexual <laughs> society. They live in a basically feminized, atomized society you know, as I think Bronze Age Pervert has said, like, you were all gay. 
Right. And so, you know, the problem is that when you have resistance strategies that are designed for men, those resistance strategies end up end up not working because what you need is resistance strategies that work for like the obese couch potato fairies that you are. Right. And and so there's a sense that when you basically look to, you know, yeah, there are like really like backwards pepperwood places where there are still like local big men, you know, but compared to what it was even 50 years ago, let alone 150 years ago, none of that structure exists. It's just a mass of, of sheep, you know, some of whom are armed, none of them who, who none of whom have ever shot mostly an animal, let alone a human, uh, you know, and they're atoms. They're just, you know, they're completely dissociated. Their, their biggest loyalty, you know, of these, these, these Minutemen, these heroes that you're talking about, these, these bold and noble hobbits, they're by far their biggest loyalty is to college football. College football. And, you know, if I could just get, if we could just get them to care about anything other than college football as much as they care about college football, like you know, they could they could sweep America from coast to coast. But, well, this is the, know, this is the problem. With this what, who is they? Like like okay, ninety uh, percent. The Hobbits. They're like NASCAR NASCAR watchers. Like you know, like you can't make a fake group out of like Protestants. You can't say these four totally different groups are like one one group. Like you know, because there's no white consciousness. You know, much as they try to create one. Uh, you know, there's 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 no real like white race, and there's no real like Protestant race. <clears throat> Maybe it, it, doesn't, be, it doesn't matter if ninety percent of the people are are going to go along with whatever because they don't matter because yeah. they ultimately will go along with whatever the ten percent demands. Right. And like, That's right. And it, That's but, right. But this the pro- the problem with the Hobbit the Hobbit setup is that like the like you constructed this thing where like elves are there are elves and dark elves like these are people with agency and I understand that there's a there's a you know there's a sect of elves who who are one of yeah. movers and shakers but you don't understand like uh for, for the hobbits this exists too like I, I saw this with my own eyes people picking up AR-15s and standing in front of war monuments in 2020. I'm not oh, yeah, hypothetical. Yeah. I watched that. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. I watched that. I, you know, you know, last, last, not, not this summer, but the summer before, I went to the July 4th rodeo in Livingston, Montana. Now, you know, in Montana terms, you know, Livingston is frankly, it's, it's kind of gay. You know, it's like Yellowstone, Robert Redford, yeah. like a river flows through it like shit. Like there's a lot of like, you know, like the the global American empire has seeped deeply into Livingston, Montana, but it's still basically a fucking cow town in the middle of nowhere. And it still has a, has a good rodeo. And, and so we watched the rodeo and I, this was especially interesting for my like completely urbanized daughter. Right. And she was like, just like, pop, there's a, there's a police lives matter flag, <laughs> like a blue lives matter flag, you know, like, like this was just like, it was cool as if she like reacted as if there'd been like a, like, you know, Waffen SS death's head flag or something, right? You know, and, and which there was not. And I still have to tell you the, uh, these colors don't run joke and the, uh, but yeah, you know, these people are all like beautiful and then they're, they'll, they'll like go for like, you know, go and vote for like some like gay Republican Senator or even like a Democrat who like, you know, gets like hand jobs in the bathroom, you know, of Capitol Hill and like, you know, uh, uh, um, takes slightly more bribes than the Democrat, and you know isn't entirely. Uh, you know, he he won't 
do you want to do DP? I don't know, you know, right, you know, like something, right? They're just completely politically owned. They have no sense of like, and they stand up and like worship the flag and send their kids off, you know, to the Marines to be like, you know, sla- slaughtered on the banks of the Dnieper or whatever the next thing is, you know, and, and excuse me, the Dnipro. And the, like, they're just so, and they're, and they're all like pro Ukraine, for example. They're all like completely, oh, yes, yeah, we must protect freedom abroad. You know, Barry Goldwater said, you know, right? <clears throat> these, these, these neighbors are just so completely owned. I can't even. And so my heart goes out to them. They just, they, they deserve not to be like raped in the way that they're being raped, okay? But like, you know, to ascribe sort of power and agency to them is to like just say that they have a power that they don't have and i just i refuse to flatter them in the way i you know i you know what i say yes you know riders of rohan awake but you know am i going to observe that the riders of rohan are, are are awake when you know it's like the waiting for the you know the meme of like waiting for the saxon to wake you know the, with the skeleton on the bench no you're not fucking awake you're fucking asleep and like you could wake up 10 times and you'd still be waking into simply a higher level of dream. Like that's how much you like motherfuckers need to wake up. And I'd say that, although I would never like, you know, I couldn't last a millisecond on a bull, but you know what? Like rodeo America, like is just like as hard as it is as for Elon to out with the bureaucrats of Twitter, rodeo America has no chance you know, within the system of DC, it's only chance is to reject it. And I don't see any capacity, any indigenous capacity that it has of doing that. I think that capacity will take a kind of leadership that can come only from the historical ruling class. (laughs) Okay. Here's the problem. This is a blind spot because you are, you're an elf. You you see that like, you see the elf as the fully developed sapient being. You see the you uh-huh. see what you call the Hobbit as the other. I'm not saying you don't like the Hobbits. You yeah, love the yeah. you, you you're you're very, you're very, you speak very kindly of the Hobbits, which is funny because like very kindly of the Hobbits, but I'm not a fucking Hobbit. Right, yeah. but I'm saying yeah. you don't yeah. you don't you see you see the Hobbit you see you see um I, I'm not going to say Hobbit anymore because that was bullshit. You were talking about elves and men. You see you see the humans. As this block, you don't quite understand them. Whatever, I get that. I see the elves the same way. When I when I when I see yeah. you guys, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm sipping lattes and driving Volvos and doesn't yeah, work, and whatever. somehow, 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 you and I have to do like the, the like the predator gift meme. And despite the fact that we're not the same race, maybe not even the same species, like we're here on Middle Earth, and like we need to defeat. We need to work together to defeat the the, the I mean the orcs. You know, that's the. I know. I gotta, know, I gotta like, say this because I've never heard anyone say this to you. But like, like when you talk about like the the natural ruling class, okay? Yeah. Uh, the, the the crackers that you're talking about. We came here when there was nothing here. We fought fucking Indians. Yeah. We built every. We we built something. Native, out of, excuse me, na- you know, Native nothing. Americans. You fought Native Americans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, but I'm saying like we that there was no need. Like there was no need. Like well. well I've, uh, well, we don't know what yeah, to do. But, you, know, you, know, you know, you know, when you say when you say we, you know, with with all with all with all due respect, you know, 
you know, I love this championship of a vanished race. But the thing is, when you say we, you're not referring to yourself. You're referring to people whose genetic contribution you share. Now, you know, that's a great genetic legacy. That's a legacy of like, you know, men who blaze the frontier with their, their bare hands. Two problems. One is, you know, the bare hands and the determination to stand up to Native Americans is not really needed in this world. You don't need to stand up to Native Americans that can barely stand up for themselves. And the, especially on a Saturday night, and the, they're not going to scalp you, man. You know, and the, like, so first of all, you're those, you know, kind of talents like hunting squirrels or whatever the fuck, you know, um, aren't needed. You can get all the moonshine you want from China. And so those capacities, even if they were genetically inherited, were not needed. Moreover, you know, although they are genetically inherited, these are qualities that need extreme hardship to develop. And so if you have like your trailer and your bass boat and you're like Pac-10 on your, you know, 4K TV, you can watch March Madness. You know, March Madness, is that a thing? You ever been in a March Madness pool? You know, we don't, we elves don't do March Madness pools. You know, I imagine, you know, at Facebook are there March Madness pools. I kind of doubt it, you know, and, and maybe, um, but it's a niche activity and someone's suspect. There's certainly no like NASCAR, right? And so, so, you know, like you have these things and, um, they're hobbit things and they're elf things and the elf, elf things are like, you know, the elves are people suited to this technological existence. <laughs> the elves are like the Eloi. The Morlock, you know, the, the hobbits, you know, would be like Morlocks, except the Morlocks are like needed. Like they're like needed to maintain the machinery that like keeps Eloy world running. This is HD Wells, the time machine. And, you know, whereas today's Morlocks are like, they're not even needed because first of all, we have robots. And secondly, there's like people in China, right. And who are like much cheaper than all of these hobbits. And so, you know, the hobbits are just like this like massively defeated race. And not only as a massively defeated race, they haven't just been defeated, they've been destroyed, they've been demoralized, they've been turned from like Daniel Boone, Coonskip Tag, you know, capped, you know, hunter of the forest, you know, scalping Indians, right? Excuse me, first Americans. And, you know, and they've turned into like these like obese bass boat people, you know, watching March Madness, right? And like cheering for like you know, lithe young African American players who they like later at night will like masturbate, you know, in bed next to their wife, imagining them like, you know, you know, boning, you know, Pam or Carol, whoever it is, right? You know, like these are not Minutemen, you know, they're not their ancestors. You may wish they were, you may even wish to restore them, you know, to that state of like barbaric greatness that they came to America in, but they're not those people. Well, okay. Well, hang on. First off, the, the most the most legitimate. I mean, I, obviously, uh, there's a lot of points that I made there, but they're all correct. Okay. Well, first off, the the football announce the football uh, insult is the March most correct Madness thing. is actually March Madness. March Madness is actually baseball. What kind of hobbit are you anyway? I mean, basketball. No, no, what kind of Mar- no Mark, <laughs> Mark, you but you brought up football. No, so I live in okay. SEC County uh, territory oh, where okay. like. So yeah. no one cares about any other sports except for college football, but it is, it's embarrassing, man. Like no people don't yeah. have religion anymore. They don't have hobbies. All they care about yeah. is a college football. Fuck. Like right. the whole, everything shuts down on Saturday. It's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It, yeah. it is. That's why, it's a that's, huge, why, that's, that's why I brought it up. You, 
Uh, even you, even even our elves, like the old guy, the people decadence, that used to. And everybody has their own kind yeah. of decadence, right? It, okay, yeah. That's but true. hang on, that's hang on. True. Even even our old big, like one of the guys in, in this in my town that used to be one of the old big men. All his fucking money goes to this booster shit where you you know you they 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 get this they get this like five star treatment where they the team calls them and tells them who the next uh, oh, yeah. prospects going to be. And they, these are rich guys, right? These are rich guys, and they just like just like the. Just like the uh, you know the mechanics and shit, they blow all their fucking money on college football. Yeah. It is it's embarrassing now. But like Merrick said, you ever seen a picture? Of my my favorite one is um, who's a, you ever seen that the Friedrich Schiller picture where he's like he's like standing with his chest out and his hair out and um, you, you know what I'm talking about? The Casper no. David Friedrich, uh, the one uh, Fri- where he's like staring into the void. Uh, the 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 German philosopher guy Johann uh, uh, oh, Johann yeah, yeah, Friedrich yeah, no, Schiller. No. There's this great picture, and he looks like you know his body. He looks like a professional wrestler or something. He's he's like you know he's huge, and this is a professor. This is an elf, and yeah. you know he looks like just a, a more of a man than ever. And so yeah, sure. everybody is kind of degenerating. However, like no matter what. Uh, so, you know, here's the thing. If you are, uh, if you are a, a, you know, chud, no matter who you are, if you're a chud, if you want to, uh, uh, or you're a, a human and you want to go anywhere in society, you're going to need some fucking lawyers. Yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Every, both sides, uh, no, 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 so okay. my, you my, need my, us for the numbers. We need no, you guys no, no, for, no, no. come on, man. My, my turn. Okay. We're talking about, oh, well, this is a, a people who you, you're, I'm sorry, your time has passed. We don't need you anymore. You are a you are a uh, a connoisseur of old reactionary authors, people like Carlisle. Sure. I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm not going to even contest you on how well read you are because everybody knows it. Do you, imagine pitching what you just said to me to him. Like, okay, well, we've we've reached this new stage in human development. Like, we we are we we no longer have the need for the the common pleb. We have we're going to have robots and we're going to have. You know, uh, Chinese laborers do all this stuff. We've we've just moved on past that. We've we've created the city on the hill, and now you need the managers to come and run everything. This is just this is how it's going to be from now on. That's one. That's that is one theory about about. Well, what's that's happening. how it but, is, and that's how it is. And the thing is, I as much as anyone want to change that. You know, I, I want to bring hmm. back basically. I want to bring back the power of the cracker. I want to make you know. West Virginia, the cracker Israel, something like that, right? You know, and can you imagine like West Virginia is the cracker Israel? Let's let's pause for a moment to consider that state of affairs, right? You know, and and you know the whole the whole of West Virginia just springing up anew from the Appalachian Hills, like, as Israel did from the desert, right? You know, I'm 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 all for that, but the thing is, if you want to go in any direction. Like people have been doing this like democracy propaganda so thing so long that they actually believe in wishful thinking, and they're like, okay, the way to become powerful is to convince ourselves we have to psych ourselves up into believing that our like dicks are big, like literally, like that's like imagine you know like I'm gonna like grow my erection through like meditation, right? You know, and I'm just gonna think about what a big dick I have, and it's gonna like get bigger and bigger. No, it doesn't like, there's actually no connection to that. Like you have to like realize like the size of your member here. And if you acknowledge frankly that it's tiny, suddenly you're living in reality. And once you're living in reality, you can act within reality. But if you were not living within reality until you were living within reality, you cannot act at all. 
And, yeah. and, you, need and, a, and you need a Jewish you need a Jewish surgeon that went to John Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. For, for, That's John's, what, what, by the way, that, Johns Hopkins. Uh, you know, but yeah. Um, what you have um, laid out w- would be true if we have entered the, you know, the the uh, the thousand years of whatever, and life is going to be like it is right now until the end of time. But it's not, and we know that because it's that goes against human well, yeah, nature. Yeah, it, yeah, but here's no, 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 no. I mean, the future can be even more grim than you can possibly imagine. You know, the thing is that basically what you're doing is you're doing this thing where you kind of expect like history to act for you. It's almost like a Marxist thing. You're basically saying like, okay, you know, you know, you, you've like reified the just world fallacy into this belief that like, you know, somehow this is unendurable and impossible and it's bad and because it's bad and, you know, you know, God is real or something that can't continue. Like, no, neighbor, it can continue. And therefore, because it can continue, the only thing that you need to think about using your power to do is to get as much power as possible. Yes, I you agree. But that... Of- but well, the, the problem on. is the part of the pitch that says you can't do this yourself. You need you need the elves. No, no, we don't need the elves. Actually, the no, no. This is, this you, is you, the the, the pro, This is like the if we're going if we're going to go down this road, like the the elves have been like parasites for the last hundred years. No, like, no, you need you need to you need to. The problem is here's the thing: is that you can't like when you go down the road of like I don't need the elves. Here's what you know. You're like okay. First of all, what do you do to the elves? You kill them, you know, and, you know, even under, like, the Nazis and the fascists, like, most of their, like, top elves just, like, fled abroad and came back to rule the country eventually. Secondly, you have a problem that you can't overturn the natural structure of fashion. And so what will happen, this would be like the, like, Frankista regime. You can have you know, immense, like, self-confidence. But the problem with the elves, what makes them fucking elves is that they're cooler. And the upper class is always cooler than the lower class. And so what they're going to do is they're basically going to remember that tweet from like the trans activist that like, you know, we know why Elon hates us. We trans his daughter, right? You know, using trans as a, well, a transitive verb, right? You know, and so basically those regimes are basically doomed to cr- to crumple into dust because you can't figure out that like you actually need to own these people. And, like, by own these people, it doesn't mean destroying them. It means that basically they have to be owned by a regime that is completely loyal to you. And the only way that makes sense is if the regime is completely loyal to both you and to them. Which seems really weird and impossible for a moment. How could one regime be completely loyal to both, you know, um, you know uh, Christians and Muslims, right? Uh, and, and then you realize that this is like the fundamental basis of monarchy. This is how monarchy heals all wounds. Yes, your new monarchy is both more red state than any red state regime you could possibly imagine and more blue state than any blue state regime you could possibly imagine. It's both. And it doesn't try to like if you're in fucking Oklahoma, you know, living your like normal red state American life, a proper regime does not try to fucking get, get trans or gay your children and if you're living in like you know Framingham Massachusetts you know it does not try to convince your children that the world was created in 10,000 BC by you know God or something you know and that's totally fine and that's sort of the genius of like understanding that in order to win 
you're like there's a sense in which if you're like trying to kind of win only for yourself there's a small mindedness and the small mindedness will lead to your defeat let me use a you know a historical example for basically why small mindedness leads to defeat you, you may have heard of um, there was a, it was a, it was called it was in the 18 it was the civil war you've heard of the civil war right um and um, did you have more ancestors on the north side of that war or the south side? Yeah, 100% south. 100% south. 100% south. And yet, basically, um, I have, as far as I'm aware, no southern ancestry. I did go to high school in Maryland, and which is um, contrary to many Yankees' belief a southern state. And, um, you know, crushed under the despot's heel or whatever it is, Maryland, my Maryland. And, and um, you know, but that's the limit of my exposure to the South. But, you know, I noticed that, uh, that just as a pure student of history, I noticed that when you look at that conflict, there's kind of an interesting asymmetry between the, the South Rons and the Yankees, which is that Boston has very, very definitive ideas about how it should govern Richmond and Charleston. But Richmond and Charleston do not have any ideas at all about how Boston should be governed. Their wish for the Yankees is um, in 1860, they wish the Yankees well. They wish they would go to hell where they belong. They have absolutely no interest in sending them there. And remember that thing earlier about, um, you know, being accused of doing the things that you're actually not doing but should be doing. Not only do they have no idea of how to govern Boston, Boston is constantly accusing them of wanting to govern Boston. It's constantly accusing them of what, as Civil War buffs, you may know of as the slave power conspiracy, mm -hmm. referring to a very famous book by Mr. David Brian Davis. And, you know, it's this massive conspiracy theory that really justifies, uh, you know, the war. And, you know, in the Yankees' arms, they're defending themselves against the slave power. This is utterly <laughs> ridiculous. Of course, the South wants nothing more than to govern itself and live free from, like, weird-ass Yankee bullshit. And a lot of this bullshit really, you know, you go back and read it, you're like the libs, they don't change. And, and, you know, so, <laughs> you know, Vince uh, basically, and by the way, if the South had seceded in 1850, it probably would have worked and they should have seceded <laughs> in 1850. And, and, you know, do you know, do you know who was one of the chief forces of unionist sentiment in 1850? His name, uh, he, was a, he was actually probably the leading Southern Unionist, um, you know, and um, Guys like his Houston, name, for sure. And his name um, um, rhymes with uh, Jefferson Davis. And um, I'm, I'm telling you, no, it wasn't the fire eaters who became the leaders of the Confederacy. It was the old Unionists. And, and so, you know. But not even the fire readers, not even the most radical Southerners had anything like a plan to govern Boston. To find, you know, there's basically one man in the South, literally one man in the South who understands the level of radicalism that the South needs to engage upon if it wants to win. And his name is George Fitzhugh. And do you know that name, George Fitzhugh? Mm -hmm. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's kind of like a Confederate Hunter S. Thompson. Amazing writer. And um the 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 um and apart from that, you know, these guys were like wild eyed nutcases, right? Nobody nobody's listening. Jefferson Davis does not have, you know, Fitzhugh in his office, like any more than like Trump or Elon Musk has me in his office, right? And and so here's what happens when the war starts. The um, the Confederates are like, no, we're men. We're fighting for our own country. We're fighting just to be left alone. We don't know anything about you Yankees. You have this like free love stuff going on, you know, whatever, you know, prohibitionism, the main law, all this like crazy spirit wrapping, all this crazy northern stuff going on. You know, we just wish to live our lives on our plantations with our um, servants and our uh, peculiar institution and we don't wish to cause any problems. And uh, here's the new boundaries of our new Republic. And why don't we uh, figure out how to exchange our remaining property? Cause we want a divorce. And the union is like, actually, fuck you. You're a completely illegal rebellion. We'll conquer you completely. And, you know, which used to be called before the war coercion, which the Yankees swore they would never do. We will conquer you completely and um, in militarily. And this is, of course, what happens. And slowly and bloodily. And so there's this asymmetry where one side is fighting to win, to be everything. And the other side is fighting simply not to lose. And they assume that fighting not to lose will be easier than fighting to win, but in fact, it's harder. And this is the, you know, it's the same trap that Elon faces, honestly. The trap is that actually, no, it's easier to fight to win than to fight not to lose. And if you fight not to lose, you always end up losing. And here's what happens, you know, in a way, the South loses as soon as the war starts. Because what happens is there's the first battle of the war, the Battle of Bull Run. And the South is like, we will preserve our ancient liberties. We are fighting. This is 1776 all over again, 1680 all over again. We're actually liberals. We don't believe in, like, throwing an altar or whatever. We're, we're fighting for freedom, damn it. Right? We're not even right wing. We're not right wing. Why would you call us right wing? We're actually left wing, right? You know, the same bullshit over and over again. They're fucking centrist, whatever. And of course they're right wing. And they, you know, and the union army comes and it crosses the Potomac and it invades the South. And just as the South is predicted, just as the South is predicted, they, the men of the South who are real men, despite having only like three bullets because they have no industry rally and they, drive the union scum into the river and like destroy their armies utterly. And they're like, we won. See Yankees, we proved our point. Come at us again. You guys still there? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I yeah. know where you're going with this. And, and, and at that moment, at that moment, at that moment in the spring of 1861, um, there is no organized force between the Confederate army and Washington. In fact, there is no organized force between the Confederate army and the North pole. They can win just by snapping their fingers, and yet they don't. And they don't because they have no clue, because they're basically thinking small. And I like I like the cut of your jib, my hobbit friend, but basically, like, you got to not think small. Because that's okay, the only the, point The problem with this is that's not true. Like, there, there were divisions on the other side of the river. You, and, and, and here's the thing. The, the South doesn't want to conquer the North because of ideological reasons. Maybe. But also, the South, in a material sense, can't do it. 
Huge manpower imbalance, huge industrial imbalance. If there was, even, any, well, if there was any moment when they could have done yes, it, it wasn't when I, Lee marched into Pennsylvania in, in, in you know, 1863. It was in 1861. And the fact is, yeah, okay, maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe there was a division or two on the other side of the river. But that was the time to basically go for Boston. And, you know, if they had it's crossed not that you're the wrong, river but it's themselves. Like, yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. If it, it's not that it's not that you're wrong that that was the best that might have been the best chance to win the war. The thing is, they didn't yeah. know that at the time. But anyway, that no, that's beyond but, the point. But, but, Which I agree. I agree with something that you said here. You said the side that wants to win will always beat the side that wants to be left alone. And this is this is true. Yeah. And this this goes back to something you said earlier. The the, the choice between. There is no middle ground between you. We're going, your, your, your kids. We're going to trans your kids, and you know we're going to make your kids. Yeah. We're going to make your kids watch Veggie Tales. You got to pick one or the other. And I know people don't like to hear that because it's a, it, it, it the, the fantasy. No, no, that no, be no. Some you got to you, you got to you got to have you got to have a power that's so high that's basically letting the fucking people in Martha's Vineyard trans their fucking kids. And basically has the people in Dallas getting veggie tales in first grade and public school. And, you know, until, you know, and, and that, you know, the problem, the only problem with the kind of genius of federalism in this system is that it was originally designed regionally in a way that makes no sense. It doesn't make sense regionally, but it makes sense in a fucking database. You can have a residential neighborhood with basically blue Americans and red Americans. The blue Americans go to the blue schools. The red Americans go to the red schools. They never mix. There's no reason to mix them. They're just in different categories. And in the red schools, you get veggie tails, and there's, like, Jesus everywhere. And in the blue schools, like, basically, like, you know, you start in eighth grade with an orgy, you know? And, like, that's, like, you know... If the power above these things is so strong that it can basically keep either of these things from even thinking about the idea that it can fight or defeat the other, let alone fight or defeat the power that is above it, that power burns hot and bright enough for you to basically suppress the elves. There is no way to get your degenerate college football watching people to generate the level of power needed to successfully suppress and overall and dominate the elves permanently. There is no way to get them to have the power to kill the elves. You know, even if you thought it was a good idea, you simply don't have the testicles. You know, you're too busy watching like gay couple ads, you know, for like pro football players tossing a, you know, a football into a basket of popcorn on your wife's lap, you know, and nice pro college, of course, you know, and, and so the thing is that you have to be conscious of your own capabilities. And the thing is, in terms of a practical solution for, you know, yeah, basically you as a hobbit can contribute to establishing Aragorn as like King of the West. 
Okay, Aragorn is a human. He's an elf. He's not a fucking hobbit. He's not like the old Took. He's not like Pippin or Pippin or Sam Gamgee, right? You know, he's, he's actually he's actually half he's actually half elf, by the way. Well, he's, he's a lot less than half elf because there's this whole level of generations going through, like from like Elros on down. He's got a little bit of elf blood, but you know that's basically like saying Samuel Jackson is white. You know, he's got less elf blood than Samuel Jackson has white blood. This is actually correct in terms of the lore. Don't. You know, don't don't try to argue with me on, on this. I'm right. You know, but but this is canon. You know, but he's still got that elf blood. He's got that royal blood that makes him eligible to rule. And the thing is, until you know, there's this great German saying. You know, which is uh, those who those who wish to command must first learn to obey. Until the hobbits learn to follow Aragorn and not learn not to like jack off either with their own like hobbit leaders or like their hobbit like breakfast parties or whatever. They'll never amount to anything. And, you know, even <clears throat> if you looked at what their tough ancestors, you know, thought they should do, their tough ancestors didn't believe that a big man, a cavalier, was the same thing as, uh, you know. And and one of the geniuses of the Old South, of, of specifically the, the CSA, is that it really did unite the cavaliers who were much more alien to these fucking crackers we're talking about. Mm -hmm. It really did unite the Cavaliers with the crackers. And so basically when you despair of that being done, I'm just like, you know, you're just thinking too small. This is like peasant mentality, right? You know, you have to, your, your, your thinking has to become greater and more powerful. Like you have to, you know, you're just, you're just not, you're not maxing, there, man. There's, you know? a, there's a missing and, step here. We're, we're trying to enact like the, what you're describing, which is like, you know, a, a big boss man makes everybody go back yeah. to neutral corners. That's really a cracker plan. That's really what the crack, what the crackers that's great, want. That's great. That's great. That's great. That's great. Then the crackers. But, uh, yeah, but you're saying, well, you can't do that. You got to have the elves to do that. No, you don't. I no, mean, no, 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 no. You don't. Where they no, come no, in no, other the crackers, than you're an elf. I don't get it. The crackers, the crackers, because basically that power, like the crackers cannot exert power over the elves. Like, what do they do? Yeah. Like, what do they even fucking do? You know, like, like, like the, the, you could barely get some like toothless, like, you know, it's like when you look at say what crackers wanted in like in 1980, right. And remember, you need a Bryant. Because piece How of history, many elves like, do you know whose kids have decided that they were a different sex? I mean, um, I, I, I don't, I don't know any crackers that that happened to. I, you know, yeah, the same, yeah, sure. the, there's, there's, yeah, right. you know, the, the degenerate stuff is an interesting tack to take when you're talking about this. Yeah, it's, my, just, it's, my just, it's very, it's very, it's very, it's very difficult to whatever you're supporting has to have the wisdom to be above these people. And remember that I said <laughs> that, that like, you know, the thing is, if you look at, let's take cops, for example. Okay. Let's be super, you know, concrete, basically like, you know, uh, one of the things that I think would be just an amazing thing to happen in America that would really be like if hobbits had any self-respect or any power at all, you know what we'd see in this country? Hmm. Police strikes. Imagine Minneapolis after Derek Chauvin is like convicted totally unjustly in this like we character, you know, caricature of justice, you know, um, you know, Imagine the Minneapolis police saying, you know what, we're men, we have spines. 
you know, we almost, you we, almost we, hear you, we hear you loud and clear, Minneapolis. You want to defund the police. You don't want, you don't want to be governed by these, these tyrants in blue. You know, okay, next week, next week, we're not going to do anything. We're going to do a work to code strike. We're going to, and we're just going to sit in our police cars. And um, we've, by, by the way, we've made sure the element knows this too. Like, you know, so, hey, wait, you might want to get out of town, right? You know, and, 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 you know, that, you know, we're declaring the purge and, and, you know, that again, that kind of power is just not within the grasp of these kinds of people and who do cops who are all Trump voters, 90, 80% of them, who do they obey? They obey judges who are judges, elves. And so, you know, even breaking that, you know, sort of allegiance, like the, the, the level of like instinctive allegiance and respect that hobbits owe elves, you know, hobbits shop at Safeway, elves go to Whole Foods, but you know, every hobbit knows what Whole Foods is. Every hobbit knows that they have better shit at Whole Foods, but they also call it a whole, <laughs> whole paycheck because, oh my fucking God. But like, is the brie better? Yeah, it's fucking better. You know, whatever the fuck, right? You know, and the, um, by the way, so, by the way, go, the, with the police strike, with the police strike, uh, during, during the, um, the George Floyd riots, uh, Atlanta, the Atlanta cops decide on a strike, but they, uh, like a midnight check, uh, a bonus check of $5,000 to all oh, wow. of them. Yeah. That's Got, amazing. Five, five grand, uh, stopped. It. Yeah. That's, way, how, that, that's how, that's how close. I mean, and you know, let's go back to the Trump app again. You register with the Trump app. Are you a law enforcement officer? Yes. You know, basically like, I mean, this, this stuff is as easy as pie, but basically, yeah. you know, the sort of the sense of, reversing the sense in which the fashion of everything, including ideas flows downward from elf world to Hobbit world is very, very hard. I believe, I agree that in general Hobbits are better people in many ways than elves. But the thing is that those habits of, you know, power is like, I think it was Pareto, usually the Pareto in Moscow who said that power is habitual obedience. The reason why, you need basically, if not an elf leader, a leader whose work can resonate with elves, which in practice means an elf leader because they've had that elfization process, you know, delivered by our fine educational institutions. Um, the reason why you need an elf leadership, you know, structure or at least, you know, power is that habit of habitual obedience is deeply ingrained. You don't need to kill that habit in order for what hobbits don't want to rule. They don't need to rule. They just need to not be fucked in the ass constantly. And the thing is that basically, as long as you're not fucked in the ass constantly, you could be ruled by 19 legged insects from Saturn. And they, you would prefer that. And they would not try to trans your children. You know, because they would be like, no, like, parents have a right to bring up their children as they see fit. No, 
I'm saying it's, it's there. It's this is the elf religion that's doing this. I mean, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm yeah. not even a person who's like saying I want to blame this cast of people for all the problems. Although you could, and like you could, and it would be yeah, absolutely yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Let me hear you. No, no, no. This doesn't follow. I don't understand right about, when I hear this. What is the like? You're right, you're right 2022 about 2022 America sounds like it's already a paradise. Like, you're so right what, about, what's the, what's right the point? You're right about, you know, my friend, you're right about the elf religion. Where you're wrong is that basically you have, you can only imagine collective governance. And so basically you can't imagine individual governance. And so you're basically saying, oh, it's an elf oligarchy versus a hobbit oligarchy. And no one can compose an oligarchy of both hobbits and elves together. That's true. But the thing is, you're in a world where the only kind of your whole spectrum of thinking intuitively about government is thinking in these like very recent, very contemporary terms of oligarchical structures. In a monarchy, it's totally fucking different. Basically, all of these things will start to blend together really, really fast. In a monarchy, nobody will even give a shit like faster than you can imagine. To the extent that they will give a shit, yeah, they will be like, hey, yeah, of course you can, like, raise your children in your own religion. What the fuck do you think? You know, um, and and we'll, so we'll have, it's uh, like, it's we'll, like we'll... here's the thing. It is the elf religion that's causing the problem. The elf religion itself has essentially been warped by this political structure because the elf religion has basically suited yeah. itself, has suited itself to oligarchy. The thing is, basically, if you replace the elf religion is kind of a religion of power. And if power is a sort of disorganized thing that kind of springs from, you know, loose from every, from the ground everywhere, and you have, and power is distributed, then you basically get the kind of oligarchic mentality of distributed power. If you centralize power, then basically, it's like even in the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union, you know, not a great place in many ways, but like it's a good example of how monarchy itself as a structure, or in the Soviet Union, as they, as they called it, um, democratic centralism, monarchy as a structure creates social conservatism. And so yeah. when we look at the collective religion of Bolshevism in 1923, it's like free love. Like they're not quite like everything has to be trans, but they're clearly very much in that direction. They're definitely like the party of free love, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. You look at them 30 years later and basically Stalin, Stalin abolishes, uh, 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 gets rid of abortion. Yeah, and he gets rid of abortion. He signs right? all you know, kinds and, of family and, family and, values acts and stuff. You know, he goes like full family values. His architecture becomes neoclassical, like because uh, the posters with blonde children. Yeah, right, right, right. And so basically, like he, he actually becomes, in a way, from these very anarchic Bolshevik origins, he becomes almost like proto-fascist in a way. I'm not saying that Stalin is good or fascism is good. I'm saying that. There's a there's an effect that you're not seeing of the structure of government itself on culture. The culture is actually downstream from power, and so whenever you see a monarch, he's basically gonna sort of you know the more powerful is he is, the more incentive he's gonna have to basically turn all the churches into like branches of one state church, and he's gonna basically be in effect. Trad, because to be trad is basically to conserve his people, which is the role uh, of a monarch. It, you know, 
Napoleon, who becomes an emperor, comes from the Revolutionary Party. As soon as he becomes the dictator of France, everything in France again starts going trad again. And yeah. and and so Deng Xiaoping in China, Mao is this crazy fuck who comes out of this revolutionary ideology. He centralizes power. Deng takes a centralized power. And again, like, do you know what happens to gay people in China? Like, no. Are there gay people? Like, I mean, uh, you know. <laughs> they say there's yeah. not any. That's just, they just say it's <laughs> yeah, exactly, 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 and, and that you know they say it's not a thing, and that doesn't tell you like what, what, what is Mandarin for miss me with that? I don't know. Yeah, exactly, right, right, and 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 so basically, when you are um, you're sort of you know programmed to think of you know power is downstream from culture, and you know that's sort of true in local ways in certain ways, but that's actually really pushing upstream against the river. Really, it's culture that's downstream from power. And so, you know, I agree. you basically have the sentiment of like we the hobbits can can take over for our hobbit self. Inevitably, you're going to get the result of like, well, we the hobbits don't really care about how they do things in Boston, which turns into we're fighting just to not lose, which turns into we're losing, which turns into like, you know, the end of going with the wind, right? You know, and that's the sort of natural progression that comes out of like thinking too small. Whereas if you actually start thinking big, you're just like, hey, wow, you know, suppose you're like the fucking God Emperor of America. Like, what do you actually do with the limbs? Like, what is the best way? What is the way these people should live? They clearly shouldn't be like twisted in these kinds of ways, but you also have to respect them and have like cultural sensitivity to them as though they were like Muslims or, or something, right? You know, or Mormons, maybe, you know, they've got to like live, you know, beautifully in their own way. Uh, maybe you could turn them back into like 17th century Puritans. Like they could be wearing like cool 17th century costumes and like burning witches and shit. I don't know, you know, um, but, but the thing is you have to like, how they should live as a people, you know, these elves is basically about what it means to be an elf and a power that is strong enough, that is high <laughs> enough, that burns brightly enough can love both the hobbits and the elves. But if you imagine a power that loves only the hobbits, the elves will destroy it. Yeah. Let me, let me run this by you. And I, I thought this when I read your, your article, like you remember a long time ago, you wrote, uh, you wrote this, a series of blog posts about Dawkins, you know, how Dawkins was, he was actually part of this universalist religion and he thought he was an atheist, but he's not. Yeah, he's like yeah. a moderate progressive, whatever. We, we, we all know, we, yeah, we all yeah, know the yeah. canon. He's a, he's a pure, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you're, what you're saying here is like, well, it's just impossible to do this way. It has to be, it has to be an elf. And that's because you subscribe to a materialist religion. And here's the, pro, here's the thing. And, this is not an issue of like Western civilization or Protestantism or Catholicism. Is we adopted the Western civilization adopted materialism as the driving doctrine of of everything. And the moment well, that sir, happened, it was jumping out of an airplane. And you can't, we sir, can't, sir. you can't stop it. You know, fifteen thousand feet. You got to go all the way. You, you, it'll never. What you were suggesting would never work because as long as someone's in charge, who ha, who is part of this materialist tradition. It, we're, we're always going to end up in the same place. You're just, just going to get there a little slower. Two things, two things, two things. One is you're familiar with the motto of the Confederacy. <laughs> yes. Right. So the basically in a world, in a world, uh, you know, God, God will, God will vindicate. And in, in, in a world where 
basically God <laughs> steps back from this like deism bullshit and, you know, becomes like more Hindu and starts to take like an active interest in the battlefield. Right. You know, you can immediately, immediately imagine like God, you've seen those videos from Russia of like, you know, tanks being zapped. If you saw like lightning clouds forming and like zapping tanks, you know, and like God basically like actually fighting on the side of your forces. Okay. I would say that you're definitely right. God, for whatever reasons, tremendous spiritual force, you know, creator of everything does not choose to behave in this manner. And we don't really know why that is. We know that God could, if God existed, God would exist and he could intercede on the battlefield, but he does not, not choose to do that. Right. So in a sense, basically, when you're sort of planning militarily and you're a believer in this vast spiritual force, you have to adopt uh, essentially the Carlylean position that the Lord helps those who help themselves. And in fact, there's a right. sort of Calvinist edge to that, which is that those who help themselves are most likely to be, uh, you know, the elect. And so, you know, in that sense, you're like materialist in a way. I would say that. There is a, I, I think that you can find a sort of spiritual perspective that both generalizes across sort of Hobbit spirituality and elf spirituality because elf spirituality, um, Ask my ask my ex fiance is definitely a thing, and um, mm, yeah, it's a gnostic it's, it's, it's a gnostic religion. Yeah, it's a gnostic religion, and so there's a sense in which, but all of these religions are very very tired, and I think that one thing that you always see with monarchy, with true monarchy, is a kind of renewal of religion, and I think that you know. One of the things that, you know, certainly any respectable dark elf would do, I mean, if they deserve the fucking brand, excuse me, you know, um, any successful dark elf would do would be basically a somewhat Erastian state-imposed renewal of religion in a certain sense. Let's take, you know, let's set aside this hobbit and elf question for a moment um, and talk about orcs and dwarves. So, you know, when, when we look at basically sort of, you know, the analogy, well, you have dwarf, dwarves, orcs, and zombies, right? And, um, you know, the orc population is especially interesting because they're basically kind of this kind of feralized human structure. And it sort of seems very obvious that when you see federal humans and you're trying to rebind them, you want to rebind them into communal groups. In fact, what you'd really like to do is you'd like to turn your orcs into hobbits. And, um, you know, there's definitely a world of hobbits in that space. And uh, the hobbits who are, in fact, always basically, you know, any orc you find will be closely related to some local group of hobbits and the hobbits will be unlike, um, you know, hobbits were organized only by college football. These hobbits will actually be organized by churches and will have what's called reverence. And, um, and you know, it's, so it seems if you're basically a materialist ruler and you're like, what is the right policy for these people? These, these, these orcs with these, you know, um, you're like, okay, I'm going to say, hey, 
I'm the God Emperor, and I'm in charge of all the humans on this continent. And my rule is that a human being is either responsible for themselves or responsible to another responsible human being. And you don't seem to fit either of those categories. And so what we're going to do is we're going to make you the like former gangbanger responsible to your local reverend. So the local reverend is going to have basically almost military powers over you. He's going to be able to put an ankle bracelet on you to see where you are at all times. He can drug test you. He can assign you to labor. He can have you whipped. Um, You know, he is in charge of you and he is also your spiritual counselor. This is a very normal way for human beings to live. And you would find that these um, people, not only would they have no choice, but to straighten them. Oh, and your, your, your benefits, your, um, um, there's a word that runs with dibs. Um, your dibs uh, um, go through the reverend. So you basically want to yeah. eat. You have to obey the big man, right? You know, and you would now see we're talking. The, now we're talking. You would see the most remarkable restoration to health of a group of of a human group that you have ever seen before in like human fucking history, right? You know, and and the um. Like, uh, and, and it's so easy. And so, you know, you know, when you look at sort of what is right for these people, it very clearly involves religion. When you look at what is right for hobbits, uh, I don't know that hobbits should be bound to their, like, you know, churches. Maybe they should be bound to their, like, SEC teams. You know, <laughs> maybe uh, you should delegate all of your political power to, like, the coach of your local college football team. I don't know. Uh, you know, in my work. And um, they're already state really, employees. They're already state employees, and boy, are they well paid, and they're very charismatic. And the, um, I mean, you know, they do, the, they do kind of remind you of the old, uh, you know, slave owner kind of. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. I mean, what's the difference between like Bear Bryant, you know, you know, Huey Long, and Jefferson? Never mind. But um, the, <laughs> the um, and and and. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, big men, right? And so, you know, basically the atomization of hobbits and treating hobbits as if they were elves is like, is a huge mistake that, like, frankly, the kind of empire that I'm imagining wouldn't make. A dark elf wouldn't make that mistake because a dark elf is like stripped of this fucking elf religion. And uh, the, and, and so when you look at, I think it's really perfectly possible for a completely materialist regime to say that, you know, what does Oklahoma need? Oklahoma needs Jesus. Oklahoma needs to be run. It's a state of like, first of all, like blue state people in Oklahoma. I don't know what the hell you're doing there, but like you need to either like acknowledge that you're not in a place that is your place and shut the fuck up or leave, you know, and you know, whatever deep red state, right. You know, basically, yeah, the public schools need to be teaching Jesus because this is like, and if you're like some weirdo who doesn't believe that Jesus is Lord, like you need your own special school, like a disabled school or something like that. Like the short bus will like pick you up, right. And take you to the school where they don't, you know, can't wrap their heads around the fact where they can't No, it will educate you in your own weird belief system. You know, it won't try to teach you that Jesus is Lord, but like you basically have to ride the short bus to like some, like for like a half an hour to get to a school where they don't teach you that Jesus is Lord. Right. You know, and, and like that, 
to me, as a materialist, dark elf seems entirely the way these people should live. They certainly shouldn't live on a diet of like porn, weed and whatever, you know, and, you know, maybe those things are fine for certain kinds of elves, but they're mm. not fine for hobbits. Right. And so, you know, even from a materialist perspective, you can look at the question of, you know, how the hobbit should be governed with actual sympathy and respect and love for these strange people, the hobbits and their strange, you know, March Madness pools, you know, and you can say, I love these people. They deserve to be governed as they are. This shouldn't interfere with basically, you know, how people behave at Burning Man, right? Oh, and, by, you know, by and, the way, and, but March, March, has, March Madness. That, uh, March, March Madness, Madness is, is an elf thing. March Madness is yeah, usually people true, went, went, to, went to the universities and it's these schools like St. John's yeah, and stuff. There's, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's true. It's true. There's a lot of elves. There are there's a lot of elves who are into March Madness. That is a shameful truth that I have to acknowledge. But you know the the. Um, you I, know, I would like uh, you to fact check a statement for me. I I want to make this statement and I want you to critique it because you know I, I, don't, please, I don't I have please, the experience please. with with the with the elf please, community. Please. Okay, w right, would you right, agree right. that alpha with the elf Americans? Alpha. Let's say. Actually, a hundred years is almost perfect because, like, about a hundred years ago, yeah. something very specific happened with our financial system. Uh, would you say mm. the last hundred years that our economy has trended away from what people in the past would have considered pro productive to, let's say, yeah. rent seeking and finance? Right, right. Yeah. We, we all agree on that, right? It's not like yeah. we're, we're we're not the same as we were in eight, in eighteen eighty. Being an industrialist, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even 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 in the days of like the old the old gold standard, there's a lot of paper flim flam and expansion, but yeah. it was a much Nothing. more. It was it was a much more. It was still gold was unjustly and unfairly expanded, but it wasn't ex expanded the way it started to be in the 20th century. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm a definite believer. Yeah, it, our economy since the 20th century has been fake. So yeah, you yeah. have a, a group of people who are the the main thing that stands out about them is that they they are wealthier, they're better yeah. educated. Are you, are you talking about the the Gringotts or the Ferengi or something like that? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about the elves. <laughs> I'm talking about the, the whole the people who go yeah, everybody yeah. goes to Whole Foods. Now, if if now, the now, entire now, economy you know, is fake, what are they really doing? Are is it is are they in that position because well, they are super know, productive the and they are many, driving many, the engine of of, of no, the, like, many, the, uh, global economy? Or no, are they no, no. taking rent? They're taking rent, but the thing is, it, you know, the, so the problem was, is that. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Gotcha. The problem yeah, is ahead. basically when you're objecting to the principle of these aristocrats, uh, you know, who are certainly not all of Hebraic descent, you know, um, and, and the, the, <laughs> do they, the, do they uh, sell bacon at, at uh, <laughs> they sell bacon at, at, uh, Whole Foods? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, you know, at any Ivy League university ever, I've ever been to this, the, 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 the smell of delicious bacon wafts over the cafeteria. <laughs> work, you know, and, I, heard, I heard you and, can get it. I heard they, you can get like a bacon cheeseburger in uh, Israel and stuff too though. So. Uh, sure, of course, of course, of course. It's completely godless, you know, and, and the, uh, it's a crying shame too. Um, but yeah, basically, when you like are objecting to the principle of aristocrats earning unpaid rents off the backs of working class people, peasants, you know, whatever, you're objecting to all of human history and civilization. 
I just want to, my Marxist friend, my like Southern fried Marxist friend, I just yeah. want to make that clear. You're objecting to all, all of human civilization. The question is not whether aristocrats shall flower on the backs of the labor of the many. That's what aristocrats are meant to do. You can't have a princess cleaning fucking toilets. Yeah. Right? No, that's not you know, where I'm going with it. I'm, not, so, I'm not complaining so, that there's so, oppression so, happening. As, I'm as, saying as the, 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 the implication the is these... That, and, and so the question really is, like, not are the aristocrats basically living on the backs of, you know, what in the one famous speech was called the mud sill, you know, the mud sill speech or the antebellum speech, where basically, you know, the southern southern cavaliers yeah. were always proud of pointing out that, hey, yeah, you like Western, like Yankee aristocrats are living on the backs of this, like, Dickensian capitalist experience in which you treat your workers much worse then we yeah. treat our servants. And which was, you know, maybe it wasn't true in like Mississippi cotton country, but it was certainly true in like Virginia. And um, the, the, so you're basically like looking at a situation in which either you're saying, okay, there should be no aristocrats, which is just hmm. like this, like, fucking Jonestown, you know, leveling ideology of just like pure hell. That's like Pol Pot, right? You know, or you're saying that aristocracy needs to do its fucking job. And I'm on the side of the aristocracy needs to do its fucking job. And, you know, the aristocracy really needs to be like the sort of leading element in the nation providing sort of, and one of the things why you're so uncomfortable with the state of the fucking elves is that they have like totally laid aside this function. And instead of like leading the nation into like virtue and honor and like thinking like Victorian elites, like Victorian aristocrats, they're basically thinking like Jim fucking Jones, right? You know, and, and that's tragic you know that's a failure of like the mechanism you know that's basically this engine needs to be reconditioned but like don't confuse it for like not needing an engine and not needing an aristocracy and not yeah. needing this sort of flowering class of people who are above labor and don't get their hands dirty no they just need to not suck and the problem is they like suck so that's I, my I, that's my like speech for the elves, like you know, right, right. yeah. And they need to what, do what some mandatory here, military service. What, what, what yeah, I'm getting sure, at here is sure. what is it that makes the, that makes the elf like? You kind of just saying that well, these people just have to be in charge because they're the natural aristocrats. Well, why? I mean, I, if if they're, because they've succeeded they're, in, the, in they've succeeded in this system that's because fake anyone and, because, no, yeah. obviously can't last. It's, it, I mean, it's fake and it's fake and terrible, but it's also the best system that there is. Look, you know, I would prefer <laughs> my aristocrats were like Tudor fucking aristocrats. You know, I looked into this because I. Uh, did this Dime Square debate, you know, about uh, Shakespeare's Oxford, right? You probably are at Stratfordian. And and I was basically <laughs> pointing out the fucking education that if you were a fucking Elizabethan courtier, okay, is one of those supposed to like one of these like Burning Man, like quote aristocrats, right? If you're an Elizabethan courtier, like you're expected to know like fucking Latin and Greek by the age of fucking nine. Like you're spending all day, like, you know, the intensity of your like homeschool tutoring is like beyond fucking belief. And then in the afternoon, you got to learn to ride. You got to learn to fly a fucking hawk. You got to learn to fight with a fucking sword. 
and you know, like, and fucking, you can be expected to fight a fucking duel, fucking at any time, right? You know, and and you need some you scars have, on your face too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the thing? And some not in not in England, but in in Germany, you got to be a fucking badass in every direction, like you know. And so, really, what an aristocracy needs in order to flourish was. You just need to be like tested and groomed and developed as a human being. You know, your clothes need to be like resplendent. resplendent. You shouldn't be like dressing like looking like a fucking bum. You shouldn't be like your fashion, right? You need an amazing aristocracy. Okay, this aristocracy that we have is not that. I get that. You know, it has a couple of things. First of all, it's also a selective aristocracy. So it does this thing you can argue for or against where it basically cherry picks like smartest and best of all, you know, classes, including crackers, African-Americans, you know, first, first nations, Australian aboriginals, whatever, you know, and like selects the best and smartest of these people and basically takes them to be re-educated as elves, you know, like, like, you know, ants adopting like a slave caste or something. And a lot of the worst people in our society, you know, uh, my friend Lomez has this term, the, um, the shit lib yokel, Oh yeah, yeah. We're and, familiar and, and, with the breed, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the absolutely. worst fucking people. Like you know, this magazine, like the Bitter Southerner. Like the the the, the, the South has produced like the worst fucking shitlib yokels, like basically of all time, mm. like fucking forever, right? You know, I really blame you guys for like inflicting these shitlib yokels on us, and you know, the Mormons are no better, and and yet these have every are some every of the most, community you know, college. Intact. Every community college professor, every uh, you know, uh, a small town public librarian and shit. These these are all these people, and they okay, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah, can't yeah, they yeah, can't yeah, leave no. because they get their money yeah, from FBLTs. You know, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Built in FBLTs, right? You know, and and so you know that's like, I mean, that's just sort of demonstrating that like this is not a culture war. This is a power war, and like mm-hmm. the one thing that is non negotiable for you for the hobbits is but like basically the hobbits need to live under a power that loves hobbits it doesn't matter whether that power is hobbit power or 19 armed alien power from saturn or ai power or whatever if it loves and cherishes hobbits and wants to do right by them and loves them as hobbits not like loves them as hobbits while wanting to turn them into something else, but loves them as who they are and even who they should be because they should be a lot better than like potato chip eating slobs on the couch watching the fucking SEC is like, that is the one requirement. There is no other requirement. So when you basically say, I'm I'm like, I think that power is most plausible if it is a power that is a also above elves and I think it will include a significant number of basically sort of patronizing. Remember that word patronage? I think it will include a significant number of basically cavaliers who are sort of above <laughs> like the crackers in their cultural sophistication and watch like movies with like subtitles and stuff. You ever do that? Watch a movie with subtitles? And and the the like a foreign <laughs> film and <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> and and I'm condescending. That that means I'm talking down to you. And and <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's I mean, late at night here here in California. It is but, late uh, here too, uh, but you know, you're, you're, 
I agree. I, I mostly agree with you. I think that where we disagree is that I think we need to find like a cracker lieutenant colonel and um, yeah. put him in charge. And, 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 and I, it's my, I, I, I do. I love my elf friends, you included. Yeah. I think that the problem is you guys like you got to do something other than turning your kids gay and worshiping criminals. So we'll take care of you guys for a while and we'll rehabilitate you into the natural aristocrats that you guys should have been. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's somewhere like, you know, like basically it's like there are, there are Hobbit aristocracies too. And there's like a way in which there's sort of this like natural union between a certain kind of dark elf and like, you know, all the Navy SEALs in America. And like those values are like, <laughs> in, yeah, yeah. Actually, like, you know, somebody said mandatory military service, like mandatory military service for hobbits is a good thing, but for elves, it's like fucking necessary, right? You know, yes, yes. Like, you know, the yes. best this thing, is- you know what the best thing that available to elves are is, is that's like not that is fucking team sports, you know, and, and like, yeah. You, know, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a nerd. I never did any of that shit, but like, my son is a soccer player. You know, he is a competitive soccer player. He plays with the real soccer teams, the kind you have to fucking try out for. And, like, Hell it yeah. is so good for him. Hell yeah, right? You know, and, okay, it's soccer. It's like this gay European sport, right? You know, like, um, I wouldn't have him play football because it might, like, you know, reduce his IQ, you know, too much or some fucking bullshit like that. But, like, yeah, it's still, like, a paramilitary endeavor, and he goes out and gets hurt and hurts people. Right. And that is a super necessary base. Right. So, you know, the, the sense of like the need for that element is really, you know, entirely present. And, you know, it's like once you sort of, and, and that's another thing is that basically when you sort of align these virtues and you align kind of the virtue of like rustic power with like, it's like that kind of, union where you can't even like that's like old rome old rome is like basically like you know the army is made up of 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 sturdy virtuous peasants and there are sturdy virtuous peasants and like the sturdy virtuous peasants you know um centurion are all are all literate and you know and and the the um you know, the gentlemen are all, they can be senators, they can be generals, you know, they know how to fight in war. And you get to late Rome and like these careers are like rigidly separated and the armies are all like mm-hmm. basically barbarians. And the, the, you know, the gentlemen are all like biggest dickus and like speak only of lisps and, uh, you know, they're all gay, you know, and, and you know, <laughs> this, the stereotype of this disunity has taken place. And, you know, when you unify sort of the things that are kind of most beautiful and powerful, not just about Elf America, Hobbit America, Black America, Mexican America, you know, um, um, whatever, they all have, you know, something to contribute. And you get something that's actually kind of beautiful and wonderful and kind of suitable for all of these people without trying to like ground them into like one mash. And the whole principle, you know, assumption of like, oh, either like blue America or red America will win is just like, well, you know, the meaning of the future is that everybody's grounded to a single mash. And what color is the mash? Is it red mash or blue mash? I'm like, I don't believe, I don't believe in this, like, you know, mash theory at all. Right. You know, and, 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 
And so, like, that's the spirit in which I kind of regard, like, the Hobbit versus Elf thing. Does that maybe make a, maybe a little more sense than what I posted originally, which I know, you know, you all objected to a little bit? Yeah. Oh, let's, yeah. Let's all, I, w- I would say, okay, so one thing, the, the military thing makes everything easier. And, you know, have you ever heard of, uh, you know, yeah. they have OCS. They have officer yeah, training. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I've, I've heard that, like, they don't, most of the time, they don't really believe that you, they don't really believe that you can train someone. To to it's basically elf school, right? And to be yeah, the, to exactly. be the elf, you you have to be able to look at a guy and say you got to go over that hill, you know, uh, yeah. in the way of fire. And th- basically, they just like at the beginning the beginning classes, they're like, do you have it or you don't? Because it's not really uh, they can't really yeah. train you. It's it's not Command really that presence. the military command presence. Yeah, yeah, and the Ooh, the military. Yeah. The military is a nice way for that because you know you have the whole officer thing. They sort of uh, they have a lot of uh, uh, honor and telling the truth, and these things are sort of important. There, it was so nice to be there's able to. There's a lot to, of value uh, that's the, there's a lot of value that's still there. There's a lot of use that can be made of these people. It's very true. Yes. Now, what what could like well, great? What could we do to make the the elves' lives easier? I mean, the obvious thing is to. Make now uh, to make it so there's a lot less elves. One of the problems <laughs> that, that, that makes one of the problems that makes elf life so uh, 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 they're so scared and 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 uh, they don't like if you're uh, like if you were an elf in uh, I one of my one of my good friends uh, in high school his he he was an elf and um yeah. his dad was a U.S. senator and his dad could uh-huh. get you into could get you into college with a phone call. I don't yeah. think that exists anymore. And so there's yeah. too many people sort of expiring for elfdom, and this makes elves very scared and um, yeah. uh, aggressive. Do we agree with this? Elves have always been, you know, aristocrats have always been scared of those they rule over. You know, you're a small percentage of the population, and they can just, like, come to your house with pitchforks, and you'd be done. And, like, you know, elves are just, like, they're, like, constantly have this, like, events. Like, they're, like, you know, they need like Xanax or just imagining like these tips of these like Home Depot pitchforks, like just like piercing them and piercing them and piercing them. Right. You know, and you know, that dealing with that paranoia and that's a huge part of like the basis of their like political energy. They're really motivated by fear and the worse that they sort of perform, the more like awful they become the fear kind of merges with a kind of guilt where they like know that they've done awful things they know actually they deserve to be just like stabbed with these horrible pitchforks and like like pinned to the ground you know and just just like you know or like you ever watch africa adio great old italian movie there's a scene where they kill an elephant with spears right you know that's the fear that these people awesome. have that they're just like awesome Right, you know, that they're just going to be, like, stuck like pigs, right? <laughs> by these, like, totally uneducated, like, Archimedes killed by, like, the Roman soldier. Like, people they can't even talk to because they're so primitive. Yeah. Maybe they have no language at all, these peasants. Right, you know, and... and yes, you know, but, but now read, so many people... You know, they, now they, so many know people go to college. Tales. Yeah. Now so many people go to college. So <laughs> many people are trying to get these these jobs and stuff. There's this elite overproduction yeah. thing. And that, that sort of makes... It's a serious uh, it, problem. It, it, I mean, of course, about- colleges and colleges, right? You know, it's not like you know, but yeah, I mean, you know, at every level, there's still an. They didn't all go to Brown, problem. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, no, you know no, there's no. like Oklahoma or whatever, right? You know, I I wear that that's an accredited institution that like you know, like technically issues the same degree, right? You know, but the thing is, at every level, there's a lead overproduction. And, you know, that's a huge fucking problem. And the question of how to govern the elves properly and how to, like, 
make all of these like people with the fucking humanities degrees like useful in some sense is a really hard and interesting problem because you can't just kill them. You guys like it's just like oh. like the smell, no, but, right? You know, but but like you know, it's like it's just and, no, anyways, but like this this, this Twitter that that Elon's walking to. Some of these people are going to be uh, as they say. And so you know, they're going to be proletarianized. We don't have yeah. enough. If 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 anything <laughs> happens, right wing at all, good. Uh, we won't have ten million. Uh, you know, gender advisors and and DEI <laughs> people. These people are going to be proletarianized. No, they're going to be no, stacking, yeah, yeah, stacking yeah, yeah. No, cans no, of empty no, no. more. No, 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 no. They're, they're going to be like, you know, running like artisanal, like goat farms. They're going to be like, you know, like every like Bennington graduate, like wants to like, you know, marry, marry, you know, a, a lesbian wife and like move to Vermont and run like a goat farm where they make artisanal goat cheese. Like, you know, and if like your, your, your goal to be consumed by other elves and if you're like, you know, there needs to be basically a whole elf economy, which is sort of has this is runs on this kind of dignified elf labor and, you know, um, say what you want about lesbians, but if you're like making goat cheese rather than castrating my son, like, I think that's a victory. And so, you know, do you know James branch? Do you know James branch Cabell? Uh, vaguely, he was a Southern aristocratic fantasy writer uh, from the early yes. part of the 20th century. Yeah. Well, well done. Well, you know, when I was reading about him, I was, you know, you could really see a, a, a like, this guy was very, very elven. You know, he, he traveled yeah. the world. He, he, he spoke, he spoke Greek. He taught, uh, he taught Greek, you know, however, I mean, he was a, this was the old Southern aristocracy. Have you read Richard Reaver's The Southern Tradition at Bay? You know, like really, you know, it's sort of easy to confuse this like antebellum aristocratic tradition with like 1890s cracker sort of Jim Crow politics. And they're really like populist cracker politics. And they're really like very different things. You know, James Branch Cabell was like, it wasn't a first families in Virginia or whatever. You know, yes. the man, yeah. the man was an aristocrat. And, you know, when you look at the Southern, the real Southern elite, like the Tidewater elite, like, you know, in the 1840s, 1850s. Yeah, these guys, they, you know, they, they spoke Greek or Latin, you know, they conducted science experiments. You know, America's first great oceanographer, Matthew Morey, was a Southerner. You know, it was just, it was a much smaller intellectual aristocratic community, um, you know, and of course, uh, obviously, uh, you know, lamentably, I mean, uh, you know, theories of uh, scientific racism, you know, found their, found their way into this group hmm. of people, but they were very well educated, you know, and yeah, but you know, they, just, they, just, were, they weren't stuffy or anything like that. They were very, I mean, they, uh, you know, he hmm. wrote scandalous, he wrote scandalous books. Uh, you know, there was this, there was a scandal where the New York, this is perfect. The New York society for the suppression of vice tried to, to take hmm. him to court for write, writing a book with, you know, that was, uh, you know, had, uh, uh, you know, sex scenes or cuss words or whatever. These guys yeah. were, they weren't, they weren't, uh, you know, they weren't stick in the mud kind of guys. Oh, yeah, you know, they, yeah, no, they were, they, were, they, were, they were very elven. They were more human, you know, they were basically, they were aristocrats, right? And, and sort of the death of the Southern, you know, the death or kind of conversion of the Southern 
aristocracy so that you basically and and you know this guy's son and grandson probably went to harvard and became shit libs you know and and i'm sure they were very good shit libs you know that's sort of part of the origins of the shit lib yokel and and you know the sort of the seduction of these these local elites because they weren't killed they were like seduced again that comes out of like you know, Harvard seduced them because Harvard was the most powerful. If the Germans had won the war, they would all become Nazis and gone to Berlin to go get educated. Right. You know, and, and that's just how power works. You know, it's like there was, there's an Arab philosopher. um, Oh, um, Osama bin Laden, who said that when people (laughs) see a strong horse and a weak horse, by nature, they follow the strong horse. And right. I'm just like, Okay, so be as strong as possible. This is really, really uncomplicated stuff. And can you recreate those aristocracies as well as sort of like, you have a whole job of social reconstruction to do here. Your society for any real power inheriting the United States, like the elves have problems, the hobbits have problems, the dwarves have problems, the orcs have problems. These are all like very, very troubled peoples that need like a lot of help. And they need help in like very different and special ways, but like they really all need help. And the like that help has to come from, you know, a power that has to be one power. And that one power has to love and care about them as much as a government of only hobbits would love and care about hobbits. And I know you feel that that's almost unimaginable, but you know, history shows it's possible. It's just the reason history doesn't show it's possible. And you know what's going to happen now? Vox is going to put out an article saying fascist political philosopher Curtis Jarvin praises Osama bin Laden on all right <laughs> podcasts. That's what's going to happen. We're all going to become fa- we're we're going to become famous now. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's great. They're going to be treated. We as, already, as, as, yeah. Sorry we already are, so the last the last interview we did with you uh, ended up uh, in Vanity Fair. Uh, that was the. Uh, uh, by I the way, a copy for my mom. By the way, thanks, uh, thanks, yeah, Curtis. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by yeah, the way, yeah. uh, we get credit right here for Lord Yarvin, which the article said people were using that in halls of power and stuff. They're like, "You're Lord Yarvin." <laughs> yeah, I don't think so, but uh, I, I, you know, the, the, uh, it guess just goes to show you that that good people come, 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 and come in all all types. Even even some journalists are. Uh, all right, some of them are good people, as uh, as, as a great American once said. And um, the uh, yeah, 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 and um, the um, I don't know. Uh, it's been it's been great fun. I should probably. It seems my network got a little better. I should probably uh, kick it off and say good night because we've been uh, recording for about three hours here. Oh, yeah. Are you going to condense this down? Or are you going to give people the you know, it's unfiltered glory. I think I use a lot of like cuss words. Like I think I said fuck at one point. Is that okay? <laughs> you guys gonna you know, have an FCC issue here? Can we say fuck? Yeah, you're allowed <laughs> you know? to. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we, that's we good. That's good. It, yeah. That's good. That's uh, good. That's good. That's good. All right. All right. I'm done. Well, it's been it's been a huge pleasure, and uh, we'll see what the future brings uh, to Twitter. Um, I'd be surprised if Elon listens to this podcast, but. Uh, <laughs> course you never know he'll certainly be scandalized and um the uh, but i don't think we said anything politically correct um no the great great mayor no. great mayor.substack.com and i have to ask you a final question great mayor.substack.com uh that's where you can find his writings you need to subscribe there that's uh, great with an a the american way <laughs> absolutely final question 
uh, the the big question: Are you going to start a Twitter account? I'm 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 actively considering it. Let's see where it goes, but I'm considering. Hell yeah! It. <laughs> right. Hell yeah! Let's go! <laughs> Excellent. All right, let's All right. go. Thank, All right. Thanks, Curtis. All right, have a great one. Real pleasure, thanks, man. All right, take care.